This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts... Brent and Chase Wilsey. I'm going to take over here. So, uh, well, good morning and uh, welcome to the Smart Investing Show. Uh, this is Chase Wilsey. Brent Wilsey's having a little technical difficulties, a little rushed in the studio this morning. That's on me. Uh, you know, woke up early, not late, but just kind of lollygagging around and uh, rolled in the studio a little bit late, but uh, we're here. We're ready to get the show going, and um, I'll let Brent give his normal intro here. <laughs> I, I don't have my normal intro, <laughs> and I just broke the microphone. Gosh. Oh, gosh. We're all <laughs> over the place this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it's kind of like uh, Wall Street last week. There's a lot of craziness going on here. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, you all listen to the Smart Investing Show. Yes, we've been doing it now for, gosh, uh, 28 years. Uh, as always, give me that unbiased, no strings attached fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about in this show and uh show has become very popular in san diego especially now and you know chase uh i, I know we have things to talk about i gotta find my notes here um but we have a lot of things we want to talk about obviously we are going to talk about uh, gamestop is this a yeah this is the right one yep. right yeah so uh gamestop and uh with gamestop did i give did i even get the phone numbers out i don't I think not. i did I, and if people on facebook and say got papers all over the place um and what I was actually doing, and I'm still not logged in here. I don't know what's going on. We got to get logged in. Um, I was logging in uh, backwards. Uh, ah. I got the words mixed up, and for, for some reason now it's not uh, clicking on here. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. Uh, you might just run the whole show here. I might just kick back and relax. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I got a lot of things to talk about. As I said, phone numbers. Let me give those out to you because we do open the phone lines uh, just about uh, eight twenty or so, about twenty minutes after the hour. Eight six six. Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Um, all right. So Chase, should we save it for last, or should we talk about the big one now, which everybody's talking about? It. Even Rush Limbaugh talked about it. The Congress is talking about it. Everybody is talking about GameStop, AMC. What is going on here? Uh, so let's try to address it. And I've heard a lot of misinformation out there because people just don't understand wall street and it's not simple to understand i've been doing this for 40 years um it is kind of difficult so it is a crazy story uh let, let's talk some background here the stock has gone from a fifth to two week low last year of two dollars and 57 cents uh to a price uh gosh i think i saw it on friday was it or thursday yeah, a I was high of 458 i think it was uh, 483 is the 52 Right. And, and I do want to point out, you, you know, this is not the little guy against the hedge funds. Um, I'm not against the little guy. I'm not for hedge funds. Never have really been for hedge funds, but I am for understanding the market. And that's what people don't understand what's actually going on. So it's not about let's beat up on the little guy. Uh, yeah. And I think we should talk about the story, what happened. And then I, I think there's a lot of things that we need to cover as well, just because there's, as you kind of said, so much misinformation, so much stuff out there that, you know, is very concerning to me as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, just a little background, I guess, on the story here. Uh, what started the rally was actually an announcement that Chewy co-founder Ryan Cohen had gained three board seats and wanted to push the company into a specialized e-commerce retailer. Wow, that's exciting. Hey, maybe you get a little bit of a bump, right? right. Maybe, maybe okay. they'll switch from that loss of $4.57 <laughs> yeah. to a loss of $2.57. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this kind of set a flame under the stock. But then the real thing that, that got this thing going was these Reddit posts. There's, I think it's Wall Street Bets is the forum on, on Reddit. Reddit. Mm-hmm. And there was over 3 million subscribers on this Reddit forum. And saying, oh, we're gonna like kind of take on Wall Street. We're gonna, you know, reverse this short. Basically, we're gonna make them do a, a short squeeze, and this led to more people buying GameStop, pushing the price higher and higher. Then I think what happened was you got the the Robinhood traders now excited about it as well. So you got all these people excited about buying GameStop, and that pushed the stock higher. Well, then pushing the stock higher led to a major short squeeze, as you know, these short positions had to rush to uncover those positions because as the stock goes higher and higher when you short a stock your loss potential is unlimited Mm -hmm. because you have to keep adding money as it goes higher if you don't want to close out that short or what you have to do is you have to buy back that stock to cover your position so what what does that (laughs) then do well now all of a sudden you're aiding in the price appreciation because you're now buying stock back right so that pushed the stock price even higher i mean it is just absolute madness at this point what is going on and it really is madness and it's not just gamestop we'll kind of continue with gamestop but as amc i even saw tootsie roll i've not heard of tootsie roll in so long they're involved bed bath and beyond's involved there's a lot of companies one called like koss i don't even know what that one is yeah and i saw that one um uh and, and i forget they do something i think in the cellular phone area or something they, mm-hmm. they weren't doing well so they do that and and i gotta say chase this is nothing new uh, yes, it's new that now people have cell phones. Yes, it's new that people can now do the trades on the, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they get the information from Reddit uh, very quickly. But in the past, and people, if you go back to the Hunt brothers, they were coining the market. There's always these manipulations that happen, but they're kind of legal. There's nothing illegal going on here. Now, I do know people are complaining, saying, oh, Robin Hood, they can't shut down. That, that's, a, that's illegal. If people read their 36-page contract, there is a point in that says that, yes, we can stop trading if we need to. And that's the thing they need to. And the, so many different things to talk about here. I mean, we could probably spend an hour talking yeah. about it. Um, but people don't realize when you short a stock, that's on margin. You have to have one on a margin account. And so they got to come up with money. Um, and, and this whole thing of, of there's more shares, and we were kind of discussing before it as well. We got to let people know what we were talking about. Uh, more shares shorter than not. That's impossible. It cannot happen. Now, what I think can happen is that the timing can kind of lag um, because what would happen is that things are moving so quickly with the trades. And, and that's why they, and that's the other reason, too, why they stopped trading. They're trying to have it's called an imbalanced market. They can't match the sells with the buys or vice versa. So they've got to stop it to try to get those trades because you can never have a buy or sell without the opposite side. It's got to be a full trade. Well, and you're so right there, too, because in theory, you could be like, I'm going to sell my GameStop at $480 a share because that's what that at. You you put it in a market order. If the next person says, hey, I'll buy GameStop at 300 all of a sudden it goes from 480 to 300 That's mm-hmm. the price you get because that was the buy order that you put it in at. I mean, that's what's causing all this volatility. I mean, it's insane. And, and kind of to give some numbers on the shorts, this is back from January 15th. So this is kind of 
a little bit before the madness all started, right. I'll say. So this is kind of what led to it is the number of short positions on the shares outstanding in terms of percent was 88%. So almost every right. share was short. But the other issue is the shares that are outstanding, there's a lot of them that are held by people within the organization. So those are not really part of the float because those people, they're locked up. They can't sell them. Right. They can still be borrowed and shorted, though. Okay. So then yeah. what happens is your float gets reduced. So to, to give you the numbers here, the shares outstanding was 69.8 million shares outstanding. Mm -hmm. But what was in float from non-controlled kind of shares was 46.89 million. So a huge drop off there. A lot of the insiders can't sell it. So then what happens is your percentage of float or that short ratio of the short percentage of float was 226%. So everyone that is shorting it, they're not part of the company. So then what happens? You get all these Reddit, I'm going to say Reddit bros. They're all getting in right. there and they're like, we're going to reverse this. And all of a sudden it creates this huge problem. And I think I saw this morning hedge funds have now lost $19 billion on shorting GameStop. And, and that's very possible. And just to stay on uh, things too, I want people to understand that when they see short interest, that is not the number of share shares outstanding. It's actually a ratio and it talks about the number of days it takes short sellers on average to cover their position. So a lot of, I heard somebody saying, oh yeah, yeah, see it's 140%. I said, no, you have to have, and you kind of explained it as well, you have to have a share to borrow to short. And let's also point out who's not being talked about here making money is the other side of Wall Street. Because when you borrow shares, guess who you're paying the interest to? Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab. <laughs> so they're making money that nobody's talking about that. And they're just sitting back like they're just smiling, laughing at Robin and anybody else. So, I mean, kind of get a little bit more into that as well. It's just so those people within the organization that can't really sell their shares. You're right. Charles Schwab, Merrill Lynch, they all hold those shares. Even though the people can't sell them, they're still held. They can then be loaned out as a short because they're yeah. still held within. That's how you get the short percentage of float above 200 percent. <laughs> because yep. they still have them. They can lend them out. It's it's insane what's going on. And, I mean, the other thing that you pointed out, uh, I don't remember the exact number you had, but I did look at, uh, again, the uh, shares outstanding is $69.75 The float, as I said, is $46.89 The 10-day average volume, any guesses? Uh, I know. I, I don't want to spoil your, your thing there, but I know I've seen it, and it's ludicrous. A hundred and five point <laughs> eight three million. That means that all these shares are trading hands multiple, multiple times yeah. a day, but different, different people. It's it's absolutely crazy. And I I did look at something else just for a comparison. What it normally looks like. I looked at a company called Best Buy. Just just something that was kind right. of close to GameStop. Their average ten day volume is two point two four million shares. Their float is two hundred thirty one point five nine million shares. And shares outstanding, 258.83. So such a small percentage. <laughs> Not about 200% like right. we're seeing with GameStop. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it is crazy. And the thing is, I know, no doubt in my mind, little guy's going to get burned on this. They're going to call foul because like, oh, it's not fair. And they didn't read their contracts. And again, uh, uh, Robinhood does have that in there. And I think other brokerage firms as well. No one reads the contract, you know. Uh, we give the contract. I, I hate to say this, but nobody reads it because it is the most boring thing to read. Yep. It's probably, what, I don't know, 15 pages, whatever, very <laughs> fine print. But you expect the normal things. This is not normal. And what is going to happen is that, and, and uh, what's his name? Dave Poitnayer? What's his uh, name? Yeah, the Barstool guy. Barstool guy, yeah. I mean, he said, he was on Fox Business, he goes, 
uh, yeah, I just threw in $2 million. Now, obviously, he can afford it. And he goes, uh, right now, he goes, I'm down about 700000 you know, because he's trying to play this game. And you will hear about the guy that, uh, you know, invested $20,000 into GameStop, and now it's worth a million dollars. Wow, you'll hear about that. But you won't hear about the hundreds and the thousands of other and, and small investors that lost money. And they will lose money. And, yes, hedge funds are losing money. Uh, there is one problem on that if this continues it could be the contagion of where those hedge funds may have to start selling other positions, which could be a problem. But on the other hand, too, they may just say back off. And how many hedge funds, I wonder, uh, shorted that stock at what was a high 480? Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, it's. Yeah. And they can short it at 480 and, and then they can turn around, cover their position in, in two minutes. I mean, it, it's a crazy thing. And if you are investing money that you cannot lose, get out of the game. Only invest. This is like going to Vegas. I mean, I do want to circle back to how you actually invest. You know, yes. that is the problem. This people are is very irritating. Is oh, I've made so much money on it, and you know, good for you. But you know, people win the lottery. People get lucky. I mean, that's go to Vegas, you, get yeah, lucky. That's that's what's happening because you look at the fundamentals here. You look at the numbers. I mean, I'm going to look back to 2007 first. GameStop was actually popular back then. GameStop's not popular now. Nobody goes to GameStop. Wait, and what's that price <laughs> high? Like sixty or sixty-two dollars a share, not four hundred and eighty dollars a share. Insane. And I mean, the company's not even estimated to make a profit next year. And even at its peak that we've kind of seen in market cap, it, it's gotten close to about twenty-eight, twenty-nine billion. I want to say, for comparison, Best Buy, as I kind of mentioned, Best Buy, they're actually a phenomenal retailer. You see them all over the place. They make good money. Their market cap is also. $29 billion. Let's look at the numbers here. In its most recent fiscal year, Best Buy had $43.6 billion in revenue and a $1.6 billion profit. GameStop, for comparison, generated <laughs> revenue of $6.5 billion and had a loss of $470.9 billion. Or excuse me, $470.9 million. Oh, yeah. But yet these companies are valued at the same market cap. No sense at all. That makes no fundamental sense whatsoever. And and these are things that people have to look at. And if you're making money, again, we both say, hey, congratulations, good job. But what's going to happen is that there's going to be people that get sucked into this. Just like going to Vegas, you're going to win and you think you're smart. You are not smart doing this because of the fact that you are lucky. This is nothing more than gambling because you have no fundamentals, no idea where that stock's going to go. If you buy it at 100 and it goes up to 200 or 300, congratulations. But what's going to happen is you're going to keep playing the game and just like Vegas, they lure you back, and eventually they take all your money again. So the smart guy, and there'll be very few of them, where they make a million dollars from it and said, yep, I'm done. I'm not going to go back and maybe buy you know, Kraft Heinz or something else, some, <laughs> some boring company. And just think about these people, too, when, when they make uh, you know, 1,000% or 10,000% or some ludicrous number. GameStop's up 8,000% year to date. There we go. Okay, yeah. I was close on 10,000. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you say, okay, invest with us. And, you know, in a year, we're going to maybe make around 10% or so. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I made 5,000% myself. I'm going to listen to you, <laughs> Brent, you and Chase. Why am I going to do that? And, and they're going to keep playing that risky game until they have very little left. And I've seen it's happened in real estate. It's happened in the tech boom and bust. It's happened in the 70s. It happens continuously. I also remember the flash crash, another crazy thing. Now, Wall, not Wall Street, but the, the politicians now looking at this. I don't want them to touch it because it is a pretty good market. It's a auction market, and that's what you have. And if you start bringing regulars in here to try to protect the little guy, that's going to hurt everybody long term. So 
The little guy needs to understand the risk you're taking is tremendous. And if you have $1,000 to lose, go ahead, do it. Maybe that you'll turn that to 10000 But don't start thinking you're smart or don't start thinking that you're investing money. You're not. This is as, as, as pure gambling as you can come across. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And the other thing that irritates me is, Right. We told Brandon we were going to bring up Tesla, but I'm going to use Tesla. Sure, let's use Tesla. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> I'm not going to say I understand Tesla's valuation because it makes no sense. Right. But with Tesla, at least there's some argument that, well, it's the future because there's electric cars yeah. and they're going to grow sales. I think they said deliveries are expected to grow 50% this year or something. Wow, that's exciting. At least there's some story there. With GameStop, the company is absolutely useless. Yes. Well, now, there's no value on it now in terms of a value investor. There's no excitement over growth. This company is not going to benefit from any shift whatsoever. Are you saying people are not buying video games and going to the store to buy the video games and bring them home? Does that change? It's crazy yeah. what and, is happening. And you bring up a great point. That's why I say this is pure speculation, pure gambling, because there is no, and, and there might be some future for this company, but not at 100 $300 a share. It, it And when this the dust settles, this stock will go back down to $2 a share. And that's where probably people get burned. And I did kind of want to bring up again, touch on that point you mentioned. And this is how I actually explained to my girlfriend why this is very dangerous. Because we know somebody that actually made about $1.5 million off of this investment or right. gamble, I'm going to say. So let, let's say you invest $20,000. If you get an 8,000% return, that means you'd have $1.6 million. Wow, great for you. Right. But now, all of a sudden, you think you're very intelligent. You're going to find the next GameStop. All of a sudden, you lose 90% of your money. You're now back down to $162,000. Yep. I mean, yeah, hey, I still made $140,000 off my initial investment. People don't think like that. They no. think, oh, my gosh, I lost right. <laughs> over $1.5 million. I mean, it's it's a very dangerous game that people are playing. And, and I think you're being generous with that $116,000 gain. Because I don't think they'll even stop there. And I've seen people do oh, it. Oh, and then do it again. And do it again. And the other thing that changes, the initial investment you said was like $20,000. Um, well, now you have, I'm going to make it easy, a million dollars. Because also, too, let's remember tax. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say back that out. Back the tax out. So let's just say it's a million dollars. Well, now you're not going to say, all right, well, here's a new opportunity. Let me invest $20,000 again. Well, no, you got a million-dollar portfolio. So now instead of 20000 you might invest 200000 Yeah. You know, because when you get a $20,000 investment and now you make a, we'll even get, be generous here and say, well, you get a hundred percent return on that. Well, that's not very good because what's $20,000 of a million dollars. Is that uh 2%? I think it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, well, why do you even do it? Yeah. You know? So, so, I mean, we're spending so much time on this because I don't want to see people putting money into this with money that they cannot lose. If you've got a thousand dollars or whatever burning hole in your pocket, and I'll tell you whatever I think, you know, go ahead and do that. But I think the other thing that's doing this is people have too much time on their hands because they're not working. They're getting free money from the government. And it's so easy to do with your cell phone. No? And people think there's no commission. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's insane. And I, I do have one last talking point I want to bring up here is this is, again, gambling. It's not investing. I equate what's going on in GameStop right now almost like a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme because you're not investing whatsoever basically all you're doing is you're buying a stock in hopes that you can sell it again it's the greater fool theory to somebody else so you're trying to garner interest i mean that's essentially what reddit is doing here as right. they're trying to get more people involved into it 
and the last person that gets involved into the Reddit forum, let's say, you're going to be the one that buys it at the highest price. Yep. You're going to be, again, just like the last person in a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme. You've made money for all these other people, <laughs> but you're the one <laughs> left holding the ticket that you've lost all of your money. Yep. I mean, it, it's it's a terrible thing that's happening, and this is what frustrates me. And, and I again, great for you if you made money off of it, but the problem is the regulators right now are going to come down on Wall Street at the end because poor little Joe Smith invested $100,000, his whole life savings, into GameStop at $480 a share. It went back down to $6 a share. He lost everything. He lost his retirement. Stocks are risky. That's what irritates me about the situation is it's going to come back down to Wall Street risky, stocks are risky, when people did a very stupid thing. And most of the time, I'm nice about it. We say right. silly thing. This is pure <laughs> stupidity is what is going on right exactly. now. Exactly. Let me just give you one more example, too, because I think this helps as well. How can you lose money? Well, here's somebody that invested, and I'm just using 10000 easy. Invest $10,000, $100 a share, you get 100 shares. 10000 at 200 you get 50 shares. 10000 at 300 you get 33 shares. Now it pulls back from 300 You say, oh, gosh, great buying opportunity. You step back in, you buy another $10,000 worth at uh, uh, $200 a share, you get 50 shares. You now have 233 shares and an average price of 171. Stock drops to 100. You sell all your shares because, oh my gosh, I made a mistake. Your loss, 42% on your $40,000. You just lost $17,000 of your $40,000 and that is going to tear you up. And, and let's not forget too, uh, people are doing this on margin. Yeah. People are doing this with options. Another problem happening with options and they don't realize that the greed and also the recklessness is going to come in, and you're going to lose all your money. And here you'll, I'll be saying six months from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, yep, buy the food companies, buy the insurance companies, stay away from this risky stuff. It, and this is not new. There's no. been craziness before. And, and, and the other thing, too, the average uh, person at um, Robin Hood, 31 years old. When the tech boom bust happened, they were 11. They weren't playing, paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's the, the last time we saw something like this was a company called Tilray. And a lot of people remember the cannabis company. Oh, yeah. It, they also witnessed <clears throat> a short squeeze, kind of like GameStop. It wasn't of the same magnitude, but I, I forget the exact number of where the stock started. But it went up 1,600% over the course of just a few months <clears throat> to a price of $300 a share. I don't know if you've looked at Tilray lately, but it's at about $20 a share. At, what was the high for it? 300 300 yeah. In 2018. It actually fell as low as, I want to say, about 4 or $5 a share. I think you're well. right, yeah. So, I mean, it's very possible that within the next couple of months, GameStop could be back down to under $10 a share. There's no way that's possible. <laughs> Trust me. It, it is very possible that this thing just falls like a rock because there's no value to that. Yeah, and, and that's the way things happen and really work in the real world. So enjoy it while you can. It's like going to Vegas. You don't get free drinks, though, or a free hotel room, but enjoy it uh, while you can because it's not going to last. And be very, very careful. Uh, and again, we're doing the warnings, and I know there's going to be many people when it falls apart. No one told me. <laughs> so, let's move on to our earnings seasons. We took a lot of time on GameStop, but I think it was worth it because there's so much misinformation out there. Uh, as there's an earnings season for major companies continues, we're excited to look at uh, another year for our target sell price because it now the calendar is clicked over. So one more year to look at. When looking at the estimated earnings for our businesses, we are shifting from December 2021 to December 2022 for many of our companies. Uh, and in one case, it, it really changes the numbers quite a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, in this particular case, our, our target sell price went from $35.96 to $54.59. I mean, we just absolutely love seeing companies' earnings potential increase, especially when they trade at such amazing valuations. Again, this is real investing. This is what we like to see as a company. As time progresses, you know, the stock price goes up and the earnings go up a little bit more because now the company can still maintain a, a reasonable valuation because their earnings are growing over time. That's why we buy businesses. I mean, that's why it's so important you stay on top of your mm -hmm. numbers as well because those sell prices, they should be changing as the business changes, as time progresses as well. And again, we, we don't get excited about 8,000% profits because <laughs> it's not sustainable. We get excited about things like this when our companies are actually growing and doing amazing things like this. And that's the, the true way to invest. And again, no one has talked really about what the PE ratio is for GameStop because it means nothing at all what's going on. But in reality, when you're managing money for the long term, you don't want to lose money. And what irritates me, I think you said this earlier, I'm going to reiterate it as well. What irritates me is that people are going to lose money and they'll say stocks are so risky. They're not risky if you do the right thing, but you do stupid, almost said a swear word there, stupid <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, you're going to lose money. And and I, I had uh, a person on social media, uh, she said, yeah, my son's so excited about this now. It's, it got him interested in stocks. I said, please. Make sure he understands the real way to invest and not think this is normal because he's going he's gonna to get burnt and then he's going to walk away saying stocks are risky. Exactly. Because people say they're, it's great because people are getting excited about stocks. They're, they're getting excited about stocks for the wrong reasons. They're yeah. not setting themselves up for reasonable expectations. And as you said, it's going to destroy them down the road. And, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. And, and that's something to really consider is understanding the businesses. You brought up. You know, they're not even looking at the P.E. ratio for GameStop. I don't even think they know what a P.E. ratio is, is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is a problem. So uh, phone numbers here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I was just wondering, Chase, do you think somebody's going to call in? And ask about the fundamentals of GameStop or AMC or even Tootsie Roll. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll find out. If we do. I mean, we'll do it, obviously. But it's just like it, it, it it's means useless. it's useless. Yeah. But but maybe just somebody wants to know just for the reasons. So. As I said, you can't even get a target sell price for GameStop because they have no earnings. They have no earnings. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I did tell somebody, um, I said, well, one thing that could happen here, if GameStop would somehow take advantage of this and say, look, you guys want our shares, we will issue... 1 million shares or 10 million shares at this price and people absorb it up, they'll take that cash and it'll, it'll extend their life, I guess <laughs> is what it will do. Um, but who loses again? The, 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 the shareholder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so. it's crazy. Uh, lastly, let's talk about foreign investment. Uh, the U.S. has held the top spot. And this is kind of hurts my heart a little bit. Uh, has held this top spot bringing in foreign business for decades. That changed in 2020 as we lost the number spot to, you guessed it, China. Yeah, I mean, foreign investment in China increased to $163 billion, while the U.S. did decline to $134 billion in 2020. You compare those numbers to 2016, when investment in the U.S. was $472 billion, and China was $134 billion as well. So it's, it's, it's a little scary, and I think a part of it did occur because of China's economy was more open than the U.S. economy. Right, right. So that really hurt us last year. I do hope that we can make some, again, push this year to, to reclaim that number one spot. But now, people, if things go well in China, I, well, China did really well for me. I, I think yeah. I'm going to keep investing there and keep growing there and 
it, it it's problematic for our, our long term success. Yeah, and and it's just something that that does happen. And again, it's such a shame that there's so many people, so many businesses that got hurt by shutting down the economy more than we should have. And again, I think there was ways around it. I know there's some people out there. Oh my gosh, you you put profits over you know health and uh, people dying. It's just like we could have done both. Yeah. I mean, I. I we didn't shut anything down for SARS. Yeah, <laughs> so. I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, phone numbers. Oh, you got something? Go ahead. I, I did want to bring up one thing. Just I know we said we're done with GameStop, but we'll probably mention it throughout the rest of the show. I'm sure we will. Um, but this is actually kind of an interesting question that I got on Facebook here. I wanted to address it. Uh, if the SEC finds out someone, um, like let's say Elon Musk mentions Dodge or Bitcoin or GameStop, and they invested in these before making those com- comments, would that be investigated since like they're such an influential person? And I believe the answer is no, because it, it's like, you know, when a hedge fund manager or somebody like that goes on and says, yeah, I have a position right now in GameStop. It, it's not going to really, it does move the market slightly, right. but they're not breaking any rules. And, and, and you're right, because at first I would say yes, but you're right, they don't have inside information. Now, if you're a CEO and you know that you're going to have some big earnings and you, you say that, then that's inside information. But Elon Musk has no inside information about Bitcoin or GameStop or anything else. That is just his feeling uh, of what he thinks is going to happen. Now, he is influential. And if you look back, how many times was he wrong in his projections? Yeah, on how many I cars he's going to build? But, you know, so smart guy. But again, the, the buyer has to take, in my opinion, some responsibility here. Yeah. And if you're going to listen to him and you're going to say, okay, well, he said it, so I'm going to buy it. And it goes up again. Congratulations. It goes down. You got nobody to blame but yourself because you just did it based on somebody else's opinion, and so yeah, I I, I think there is no recourse at all. Yeah, because he he's just saying yeah, I, I hold a position in GameStop. That's that's not yeah illegal. What is illegal is let's say he's best friends with the co-founder from Chewy, and the yeah. co-founder from Chewy says, hey Elon, uh, guess what? I'm about to get three board seats, and you know really make some headwind on this company. Then Elon Musk buys the shares. Then the SEC finds out that is completely illegal. Yeah. As you said, that is inside yeah. information. But yep, gotta look at the whole information. Disclosing your holdings is not illegal. And, and there's one famous person. He he does give out. I think his holdings from time to time. Mark Cuban, um, very famous person. He did very well and owns the Mavericks, I think. And he's talked from time to time what he owns. Yeah. But again, he's not no connection with them. He just buys those stocks and says, "Hey, this is what I own." Talk about Warren Buffett. I, I was thinking that one. Thirteen F and yeah. says, "Yeah, I really like J.P. Morgan, Bank of America." Right. That always moves the market a little bit, yeah. but it's um, you know it's not illegal because he's just disclosing what he holds. Exactly. All righty. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's see. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with Joe. Joe, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Hey, Brent Chase. First of all, good morning. Good morning. How good you morning. doing? Good. Uh, this is Joe in Oceanside. I think I think the guy put down the wrong city or whatever. I was going to say, um, it sounds like Joe in Oceanside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And it's Joe in Oceanside. Yeah, he, had he, he, had call, he had to call me back, too, to find out what stock I mentioned, too. Like, <laughs> you know, things are going on, you know. And, and talking about things going on, I hope you have some time. Sounds like, you know, I'm the first caller, so uh, I got a lot of things to talk about. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> Brent, uh, I recently got a, a new super bike. I'll be looking uh, for you and your Lambo just to say what's up. Well, and uh, Super Girl, Girl still got it, you know? <laughs> what, what did you get? A new super bike. Like, is it like a Ducati or something else? No, I got the new uh, CBR uh, 1000 uh, that's totally redesigned. It's uh, from Honda. 
Cool. I, okay. I don't know bikes that well, so yeah, well, I, and I know bikes are. You got a big advantage there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit lighter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got more horsepower, so you know, True. Yeah, I know more horsepower. But yeah, I, I'll um, just I'll concede to you. <laughs> okay, but you know, I did I did um you know, and I will get to GameStop, but I, I wanted to talk uh want to get your thoughts on the future of oil companies, uh, in particular Phillips, uh, you know, PSX. I'm I'm sure you've heard you know GM is going electric by 2035. Uh, do you think? Phillips will pivot to capture new revenue. I know they're involved with natural gas too. Um, obviously, they'll still uh, need oil, but mm-hmm. uh, to what degree? Um, and and Chase, uh, you young stud, uh, uh, you weren't <laughs> even a little tempted to uh, grab some of that easy money uh, from uh, GME that uh, was giving out. Uh, I mean, no, you, you know, you. I, it, it makes. It makes no sense, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a very logical person. I I hate gambling, and uh, you know, I, I I just have no interest in trying to find the next GameStop, and I I just would never well, I mean, do you, that. You could day trade it. You don't have to hold it, you know. Um, <laughs> day trade. Well, ooh, I don't and, like that word and, either. And, and, and Joe, I got to kick in here too because because you know I've done very well over the years. I've, I've become rather wealthy and so forth. Um, I made my mistakes along the way when I was Chase's agent and so forth, and I kicked myself because every time I did that, um, had I not done that and, and bought something more reasonable, I'd be far wealthier because it's the time value that you're kind of looking at. And over a 40-year period, it just compounds my, you know, it's, it's just impressive. But I, I took those gambles. I don't think one of them ever paid off. And had I had that money and done what Chase done, Chase is going to far exceed my wealth because of what he's doing. So, and again, he's right. It's gambling. You know? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, I don't like it. I, I used I used to gamble when I was in college and play blackjack, and I I, I lost money. And I, I but you made a lot of money for a while. Yeah, I made a lot of money for a while, and all of a sudden I lost it all, and then lost my initial investment or initial gambling amount, <laughs> and then I was like, this is stupid. I hate yeah. this. <laughs> So yeah, it, I, I've kicked myself as well. You know, I think we all know GameStop is a gamble, but I mean, still, it's, it's somewhat easy right now. And uh, you were, Chase, you were talking about KOSS uh, costs uh, earlier. I think yeah. they do headphones like Beats or something like that. They do what? And, you know, headphones. Oh, headphones. I think you're right. I think I yeah. heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, nobody mentions, uh, you know, how they were restricting shares on the, you know, on uh, GameStop and whatnot. Um, that that's only they're only restricting it if, like if you're margining it or, you know, puts and calls. If you have your own money, there's no restrictions. Um on, you know, GameStop or AMC or whatnot. And, you know, even Mark Cuban let his daughter play those stocks and uh, she made money. He said, yeah, yeah I've seen a 10 year old made money off of it. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. crazy. And, and I still don't yeah. recommend it because they miss the compounding. And I've seen people that over the years, they said, oh yeah, at one point I had this amount and now I'm broke um, because they don't have that good philosophy. And, and that's what I'm saying. If you want to do it, do it, but do it with the money you can lose don't do it with a part of your investment portfolio. And the other thing is, when do you sell it? I mean, I, I was talking to another friend, and he's like, gosh, I'm kicking myself because I bought it at 6 and I sold it at 32 It's like, hey, that, that's a great profit. Yeah, you missed the 480 but there's no <laughs> fundamental reason of like, okay, well, I'm up 100%. Do I, do I keep it going? Do I not keep it going? And, you know, because you start to get greedy. And I, I was talking to another person that they made the $1.5 off of it. And they're like, I'm going to sell it at, you know, 1000 yep. That's like, why would you sell it at a thousand? There's there's no fundamental sense to it, and then you hold it all the way up, hold it all the way down. There's there's just no logical thinking to it, and it, it's, it's it just ex- doesn't make sense. It's exciting, is you what know, it is. It's not good investing. You know, I, I've been day trading it, and I've been done pretty good with it, and um, you know, so I don't you know hold it, and so, but you know, there's there's times when if I would have just held it overnight, which I, is so risky, I know. 
But if I would have, I mean, I, I, I could have made a hundred, 200,000. I mean, just yeah. Yeah. bam, but it's, it's, it's tempting, but it's, you know, you know, that thing could fall at any time and, and you know, lose it all. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about Philip 66. Are you thinking about buying Philip 66 or do you hold it? Unfortunately, I hold it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's run over, run over the numbers of Philip 66 and kind of talk a little bit about it here. Uh, their symbol is PSX. Uh, unfortunately here, no PE ratio. It's an oil company, so not really a surprise. Uh, price of sales, 0.4. That's very good because the industry is at 2.0. We do see price to book value, 1.8 versus 1.5. And no price of cash flow. The industry does have a price of cash flow of 5.3. Now, you do get a nice dividend here while you're waiting. 5% yield. They are borrowing, obviously, to pay that dividend out or using cash to pay that dividend out, which could change in the future. We do see that their sales, yes, down 29% year over year. Industry was down 25%. Earnings per share fell by 160%. Industry down 442 so they did better in decline than the industry did. Uh, look at the balance sheet. This is pretty good. You got a current ratio of 1.2, same as the industry, and debt to equity for Phillips 66 is only 74 versus 86. So they got a good balance sheet, which can kind of carry them through the difficult time frame. We do see a return on equity, a negative 12 versus a negative 38. Net profit margin is a negative 3.1, but uh, the industry is a negative 63. So they're doing well there. Uh, and in, in regards to the efficiency, we got a receivable turnover of 11.7, well above the industry, 6.2. And even inventory turnover, 13.3, just tears up the industry at 8.6. Uh, Chase, do they have any earnings going forward yet? I don't think they reported yet either, did they? Yeah, they, they, they did. They did. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at 2022 here on the earnings. I mean, the current price here is $67.80. 52-week high, $94.93. 52-week low, $40.04. So at least it's come off that low there, Joe. Uh, but going forward to December 2022, I'm quite surprised by this. Estimated earnings per share right now, $6.24. Gives us a target sell price of $101.09. So the value is still here on these refining-type companies. And I know you kind of mentioned the the shift to electric uh, from GM, and obviously we know about Tesla and all the other plans. The other thing to remember here, Joe, there's a lot of other areas that still use fossil fuels. I mean, you talk about tires, you talk about chemicals, you talk about asphalt on the roads. Or we also looked at the other day that in 2019 – over 60% of electric generation stems from fossil fuels. We have to figure out some way if we're <laughs> going to shift to green energy to get off fossil fuels. There's no way that we can just all of a sudden displace 60% of our electric generation. So I do believe that these companies will be smart. I think they'll start to look at other ways to displace some of that lost revenue from fossil fuels. But also, fossil fuels aren't going anywhere, I think, for the next 30 years. I, I think that's yeah. going to change but they'll still be around in some fashion. Yeah, and you will still have cars on the road that still use um, gas uh, and diesel and so forth, even when electric cars are the only produced. Uh, I know myself, I'll probably still be driving one of my cars that I still have. Um, so it, it's just, it will change slowly. I would say 2050, who knows, unless Philip 66 comes on with something new. I, I mean, look at, um, well, there are companies that are still around, but they change their direction. Yeah. So the same thing here. I, I would not worry about it too much. I I, I missed the target sell 101. price. 101. Uh, what was the current price? 60-something. Yeah, so so it is, it's worth holding on to. I just don't believe that, you, you know, six months from now, even a year from now, oh, no more use for oil. So and the strong will survive yeah. the short term. So I, I say hold we'll on always, to it, Joe. We'll always have use for oil, but it's just, uh, you know, I mean, from 100%, uh, now that electric's coming in, you know, it's, it's obviously not going to be 100%, even though we'll still need it for a lot of different things. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. And I'm hoping that. 
pivot and, uh, you know, getting another thing to, to bring in revenue. The other thing, too, there, Joe, is while the amount is going to decline, what are companies going to have to do? They're going to have to raise prices. So it's going to hurt consumers, but these companies are going to have higher profit margins on fossil fuels because there's going to be less demand out there for mm-hmm. them. And they're going to have to kind of refigure that supply demand equation, which will, I think, hurt consumers in the short term because prices are going to go up for fossil fuels. And we might just come back to where profits are important for companies as hey, opposed to <laughs> <laughs> just a share price. So, Joe, thank you, you for... Fuel, when you say fossil fuels, so, you know, this is, they're in the, like, refining and stuff, you know, as well. Yeah. 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 And they, they refine, obviously, gasoline and, well, oil. Diesel. Diesel. Yeah, yeah, take the it. oil, turn it right. into gasoline and right. uh, diesel and stuff. So. Yeah. All righty. Thank you for the podium. Okay, Joe. <laughs> yeah, and enjoy that new bike when you get it. <laughs> oh, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for you, Brent. All righty. <laughs> Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Uh, again, that's 866-577-2473. I do. So we got John, Paul, Al. Stay with us because right now I want to talk with our, our financial planner, our CFP, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. So what do we got today we're talking about? So um, I know there's a lot of hype around uh, some of these uh, short-term, you know, momentum-type deals. We got the AMC. We got the GameStop. There's some of the cryptocurrency stuff. And so I wanted to take just a little bit of time and talk about um, some of the tax impacts with that and and because uh, I'm sure there, there might be some people out there with uh, – with some short-term capital gains. And so for those of you who don't know, um, most people understand this, but long-term capital gains and dividends are taxed at a lower rate than short-term capital gains. Um, that, that's pretty well known. So basically, if you're in the first two tax brackets, your long-term capital gains or dividends are taxed at 0% on the federal level. Um, above that, if you're in the next couple brackets, they're only taxed at 15%. So basically, it's always better to have long-term capital gain relative to a short-term capital gain or ordinary income. Short-term capital gains are taxed um, just as ordinary income is as far as the uh, the brackets go and the rates are. So long-term dividends and gains are, are always better. Now, one thing that people don't know is you can actually use long-term losses to offset short-term gains. And so for people out there that have short-term gains, you know, the tax impact on that sometimes can be substantial. But if you have any losses, and they can actually be used to, to offset that. So what happens is at the end of the year, January 1st to December 31st, we net out all of your long-term gains and losses, and then we net out all of your short-term gains and losses. And if there's a, a net long-term loss and a net short-term gain, again, those long-term losses can then be used to offset the short-term gains. And so essentially what you're doing, you're taking um, a capital gain type, you know, lower rate, uh, tax situation, then you're offsetting an, an ordinary income tax situation. Now, whether that's the right thing to do, it depends. Uh, but, you know, that, that is something that can be done. And, and one thing that, uh, and I just think about the Chase at one, you said that they, they 20000 went to a million dollars. and they, There's also, too, the taxes, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Harrison. Isn't there, yeah. I think they have a certain amount of gains. Uh, they also kick in a Medicare tax, a uh, 3.8% or something. Yeah. What is that number? Do yeah. you know, top of your head? For, for, a, for a single person, if your AGI is over 200000 then there's an additional 3.8% tax. Um, and so for someone, I, I know who Chase is talking about, for that person, 
I mean, it's great that they made a lot of money, but they're going to pay a substantial amount of money in taxes because on most states treat capital gains uh, long-term or short-term just as ordinary income, so there's really no benefit on, on the state side. So in California, uh, that would get kicked up to the highest bracket, 13.3%. And then on the federal side, as you mentioned, Brett, there's the Medicare tax that pops in for that person. They're single, so it's AGI above 200. So that's the 3.8. And then uh, federally also, they most of that gets kicked into the highest bracket, again, because they're single. Um, and so, you know, you've got the right now 37% on the federal side plus the 3.8 plus another 13.3% tax rate. So a large chunk of that is, you know, tax at a very high level. Now, again, if you can invest $20,000 and make a million, a million and a half dollars, you know, you might be okay paying a little bit of taxes, but you know, it is, it is a substantial number there. And so that's another thing you have to kind of think about with investing in a lot of this momentum stuff. It's like, okay, well, even if you do make some money, uh, just know that a good chunk of that is going to go away to taxes. So that kind of reduces the benefit. And uh, basically, the risk to reward ratio is, is a little bit different there when you factor in. Right. The and, and, and Harrison, one thing I want to add. So you're a financial planner, you try to guide people what to do. This guy now has, we're gonna say a million dollar gain. He's got taxes due on it. Do you recommend that they now pay the tax or wait till the end of the year? Because what my concern is, is now he has that extra money. He doesn't do as well going forward. Maybe he loses now $250,000 of his million dollar gain plus he has to pay the tax. Is it best for someone that's done that to pay their tax now or wait till <laughs> until next year? Well, you know, Brent, that's that's a really good point because we have seen that actually in the past. Uh, you know, in the past couple of years, you've got the cryptocurrency, Bitcoin stuff that's run up. There's There was the pot stocks that did something similar. So, you know, it seems like every couple of years there's something new that's exciting and it has a lot of uh, momentum behind it. Um, and so we've seen people that, you know, they'll lock in a gain um, on the short-term side, they'll sell. And then once you sell, you know, they realize that gain. And then they're like, oh, you know, I, I'm so smart. I, I can keep on doing this. And they'll invest in the next big thing. But in that case, they'll they'll lose a lot of money. And so you lock in that tax liability, but then you lose the proceeds in order to pay that tax. So now you're really in trouble. Um, and then the other thing you have to worry about is, uh, in some cases, if you don't pay your taxes throughout the year, then you can have penalties for not having enough withheld and not paying enough to the federal and state side. So then you've got the penalties and the interest that accrues along with not paying that. So in a lot of cases, you know, um, it, it is better off to, to pay that tax up front just to make sure you, you get the liability over with um, and you don't have any penalties or fees uh, accruing on you. Well, Harrison, I, I know you're uh, very busy, have a lot of appointments, but I know you can kind of put aside a few appointments for people if they want to sit down with you. And again, the first consultation is free. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, number is 858-546-4306. All righty. That's, again, 858-546-4306. Harrison, enjoy your Saturday. We'll see you Monday morning. All right, guys. Enjoy your Saturday. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, again, that's our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Again, I want to point out, he is on a salary. He does not sell any product at all. You do get that free consultation. What you need to do is pick up the phone, give him a call, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. You can also send him an email to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, smartinvesting2000.com. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Our phone number is here. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473.
Let's head out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're on the Smart, Smart Vest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? You know, guys, um, <clears throat> I was originally going to call on Deer this morning, but I heard you mention Tootsie Roll, <laughs> and it's been a stock that I've held for years. Really? Yeah, actually. And um, the intriguing thing about it is that they pay a dividend, a very small dividend, but they also pay out a lot of um, stock shares. So I think for every 100 shares, I would get three shares of stock. So my cost basis on the stock is very low mm-hmm. because I've held, it, I've held it for, gosh, over a decade. Wow. Um, so I was surprised when you uh, kind of mentioned it. And then I saw that the stock price actually shot up to about $40. Yeah, and, and now you're going to have the uh, the hard situation because you held it for a long time with this craziness going on. You may be forced to kind of sell because it, it makes no sense here. We'll, we'll know the fundamentals for you. But the thing, too, yeah. I never liked Tootsie Rolls. I had them as a kid, never gross. liked them. I don't know. Yeah, they're kind of gross. <laughs> I like them. Do you, do, you, do you like them, John? You know, actually, I love them. I guess you okay. know, there's, always, there's, al- there's always divergence in a relationship here. But um, yeah, so. well, and somebody's got to be eating them. So I mean, you know, it's, um, it's good that you hold the stock and like up the product. Uh, let's look at the numbers on Tootsie Roll. They're similar as TR. Uh, their PE ratio now is 45, well above the industry at 25.2. Uh, price of sales 6.3 versus 1.4. Price to book value 5.9 versus not material for the industry. And price of cash flow is 39 versus 16. Now, you're right. They pay a small dividend, 0.9%. Use 60% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, their sales and earnings don't look that great. Uh, their sales year over year down 8%. Industry up 1.7. Earnings fell by 5.1%, while the industry is up 236%. Got to love their balance sheet. They've done a very good job here. Current ratio, 4 versus 1.3, and debt to equity, 1.1 versus 75. So no debt in the balance sheet, very positive there. Return on equity, well, that checks in at 7.7 versus 10.4. I wish that was higher. Net profit margin, well, some people in those Tootsie Rolls, 12.3 versus 5.6. And we do see inventory turnover is 4.3 versus 6.3. Uh, receivable turnover is 6.1 versus 12.3. And I'm... Very curious, Chase. What are the earnings like this uh, going forward here? Um, well, I, I guess I kind of want to just look, make sure it wasn't just Tootsie Roll, of course. But, I mean, it's a lot of just Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pops, uh, Caramel Apple Pops, Charms, Blow Pop, Charms Mini Pops, uh, Junior Mints. That's one I, I remember. Do they own that? Junior yeah. Mints? I like Junior Mints. Wow. Uh, Andy's Fluffy Stuff. <laughs> Never heard of that. Uh, Double Bubble, Razzles, Crybaby, Nickel, Nick L. Nip. And uh, Tootsie Pop trademark. So, I mean, they have other things as well there. Okay. Um, I don't really recognize a lot of them, but uh, looking at the current price here for Tootsie Roll, $39.58. 52-week low here, $28.99. And 52-week high is $58.98. Wow, it went way up. Um, But the problem is there's no analysts. Really? Yeah. So uh, there's no way to look at the forward earnings here on on Tootsie Roll, which is quite surprising considering its market cap's $3 billion. And... I remember looking at this years ago, and, and same issue. There's no analyst. Yeah. And uh, they don't like Tootsie Rolls either. I, I guess. guess. <laughs> and, and John, here, here's what I, I would do because you, you've got a good profit in the company is maybe look at the past, you know, five years of earnings, see if we get some trend. Maybe we'll just say their earnings grow at 10%. Uh, project that out going forward. You're going to target sell price yourself. 
Um, but I think because they're kind of involved in this whole situation, uh, you may end up selling this just because of the craziness. And and I, I think you said the high was what, 63 J's? I, I, I want to say it was 59, 59 58, 98, 58. Yeah. I, I would guess that's probably the last a week or two. Um, so you, you may be getting a gift here, John, that you just won't be able to refuse uh, and mm -hmm. have to have to get rid of Tootsie Roll because uh, there's some fool out there that'll give you $50 plus a share for it. I, I did look at this. This is crazy. <laughs> on, on Tuesday, it was at like $38. And then Wednesday, yeah. it opened and opened at the 58.83 on Wednesday open at 58. Yeah. Wow. And then it went all the way down on the same day on Wednesday, back down to 41. I, so Wednesday was just a crazy day for Tootsie yeah. Roll. Yeah. And it may not do that again, but I, you know, John, I mean, I, I, I would have to say, if it does that again, I think you'd have to say, all right. <laughs> wants to give me $59. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. Everything has its price to be sold at. <laughs> all right, John. Yeah. 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 I, 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 because my cost basis, like I said, is, is very, very low. It's single digits. So, yeah. If someone will give me 50 or 60 bucks, I'll take it. Yeah. And again, you get the long term capital gains tax, whereas somebody else is paying short term. So you're good in that respect. Exactly. <laughs> All right, John. All good right. talk to you. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. bye. All right. That does open the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Uh, let's go out to Wayne in San Diego. Wayne, you're on the Smart Investor over on Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. like your opinion or analysis on General Motors GM. Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy it? No, I hold a little bit. Okay, how long ago did, did you buy it? Are you up, you down, where do you stand? I, I'm pretty much even. I bought it when uh, Microsoft put the $2 billion into them. Okay. So, or right. into that fund <laughs> for the cruise division. Okay. Well, let's take a look. It's less than 1% of my portfolio, so it's not going to break the bank. Okay. Well, well, that's good. But maybe it'll make the bank, though, too. So <laughs> we'll okay. see what we got in for so. you. <laughs> Cheaper than Tesla. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so General Motors, uh, <laughs> symbol is GM. Uh, good start here. PE ratio 22.7 versus 644. And that's 644, by the way. We do see price of sales 0.6 versus 3.9. Price to book value, 1.9 versus 11.6. And price to cash flow, 4.5 versus 27.5. So the valuation ratios look very good compared to the crazy industry. They're not paying their dividend currently. We do see that their sales did decline by 20% year over year, worse than the industry fall of 15.5. Uh, earnings per share year over year, that fell by 68 per, I'm sorry, 63%. Industry was down 76 now, look at the balance sheet. They got a current ratio of 1.1, just on the industry at 1.2. Debt to equity, 271 versus 204. But again, they do financing. So you got to actually look at the 10Q, 10K to actually see what that truly debt for the company really is. We see, uh, see return on equity is 7.3 versus 1.9. Net profit margin, 2.9 versus the industry at 0.6. <clears throat> and then we see inventory turnover, 9.1 versus 8.7. And receivable turnover, 3.3, also by the industry, at 3. What do you got for earnings, Chase? Yeah, so current price here for GM is $50.68, 52-week high, $56.97, and 52-week low, well, that's $14.33. As you kind of mentioned there, Wayne, there's been a lot of positives with their cruise division, kind of their electric, <coughs> electric vehicles. Mary Barrett did a great job at CES kind of laying out their vision for the, the future in terms of technology. I mean, this company, I, I think, has a, a great plan going forward. 
Also, you look forward to December 2021. I believe they report earnings this week or next, so we're still in 2021. Estimated earnings per share, well, that's $6. That would give us a target sell price of $99.60. Now, GM has always been a little bit hard in terms of how do we value this because yeah. it's like at their peak normally, they don't hit the 16.6 because it's a very cyclical company. But now you kind of have technology coming in, and it's like, well, I think we looked at it before, and their long-term average about 8.69 at the peaks for the earnings. Mm -hmm. But right now they have this technology, which could actually be more of like a, a software-type thing. So do you, where do you assign that multiple? I mean, I have seen people in the past <coughs> with like Disney, well, if you assign a Netflix-type multiple <laughs> to it, well, let's take – Six dollars a share and assign eighteen hundred like Tesla. Wow, we get a target sell price of ten thousand eight hundred dollars, huh? <laughs> I don't have to short it then. Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it, it's it still appears to be a pretty good value. I wouldn't sell your shares here. Right. Um, to be quite frank, I don't know if I would have bought it after the news. It, it kind of yeah. almost in like a hold category for us right now. Yeah, yeah. And I do think long term it's going to do very well because the things are growing. And I kept wanting to say I want to check this and check this. One year ago, but they had $26 billion in cash. That mm -hmm. is now almost $37 billion in cash. So they've got the money to spend on R&D right. and so forth. And, I, and I, I do believe that they will take uh, the position over of Tesla down the road because they've got the cash. CEO well behind it. Great products. Right. I, you know, I, I think there's more to come with this company. I agree. <clears throat> and new divisions as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they report earnings on February 10th, and this is the second time I bought it since they came out of the second bankruptcy. So we'll see what happens. Can yeah. I ask you one question about the short selling? I don't. I heard a report, and I don't understand this, that it said some of these hedge funds and, and GameStop had like 140% of in that when I thought I thought 100% is the most you can have in a position. How'd they get the other extra 40? Well, we kind of explained that at the beginning. There, there are shares at, and again, virtually what it is, is too. some float? Uh, yeah. It's in the float, but also, too, okay. there's a short okay. ratio that people get confused thinking that's the number of shares outstanding. Chase pointed out okay. that there's some shares that are not really part of the float. Uh, we're, we're kind of backed up against the hard break here, so that's it's, a quick it's answer. A lot of, okay. Quick answer is there's a lot of insiders that hold shares yeah. that can't be sold, so they're not part right. of the float. Yeah. Okay. I just couldn't understand the math. Thank yeah. you, gentlemen. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Wayne. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, and actually I was going to tell them too, uh, we got like 30 seconds that, uh, they can go back on a podcast and listen to the beginning of the show. And we talked extensively about GameStop and, and what's going on. There. That's a great idea. Cause we've gotten so many questions on GameStop. I'm just going to direct them to the first 20 minutes of our, our radio show. If they Did don't want to listen for 20 minutes. Oh, it's about 20 minutes. On GameStop. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, you know, and I think there's still things we're going to talk about to try to oh, help absolutely. people out. And, and, and it's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel bad for the little guy. Cause I know they're going to be left holding the bag. I, I won't feel bad. Well, I, I, I guess you're right. Because, well, I kind of will because of the fact that they didn't know. They don't listen to our radio show. Uh, they just – and you, you think about these friends like, oh, yeah, yeah, do this and do this. Do you feel uh, bad for people when they lose money in Vegas? They know the risks. Well, yeah. I, and I think in Vegas you kind of know the risk, but I, I think with this situation because of the hype – you know, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, 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 I really won't forth. feel bad yeah. at all. <laughs> I, it sounds cold, but it's the truth. I, I, I won't. It's You should know the, the rules of the game. I won't feel bad for our listeners to our show. <laughs> they do it. I'm not going to feel bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> we told you, weren't you? All right. Stay tuned with the second half of the Smart Investing Show coming up right after this quick break.
Alrighty, well, we're back again. Phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Very busy morning uh, this morning on the Smart Investing Show. Uh, but Chase, you said we have a, a person that's three times, I guess, on, on Facebook. He's asked for it, and we said, okay, we got to help this guy out. So so what's the situation? Yeah, it's our friends over at uh, Kearney Mesa Dodge. I feel like I've given oh, them- Oh, gosh, uh, those guys. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've given Dodge, Kearney sir. Mesa Dodge lots of plugs here. They might have to sponsor <laughs> us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, he's just asked a couple times now, or three times now. I was hoping you guys can take a look at Bio Nano Genomics Inc. Ticker symbol here is B-N-G-O. Okay. Does he say if they hold it or they, they, these guys trying to buy it? What, what, are, what are their thoughts? Anything else on that he gives us? Um, the last message was pretty short. It was kind of like, can you guys take a look? I think <laughs> <laughs> it's like, these guys aren't going to pick it up. Yeah. They, don't, they don't like us anymore. No, we still like Kony Mesa Dodge. So, <laughs> all right, let's, let's take a look at Bio Nano Genomics Incorporated. Uh, unfortunately here, this is a biotech company, so it's not going to be that great, from, you know, is my guess. No PE ratio versus 13.3 for the industry. Oh my gosh, price to sales, 275 versus one for the industry. Price to book value, 326 versus 26 for the industry. So again, valuations are very, very expensive. Uh, looking at their sales, well, sale, and they don't pay a dividend. Sales year over year down 35%, industry down 11. Now here's a positive, I don't know how they did this when sales are declining. Uh, earnings were up 72% when the industry was down 73.9. Looking at the balance sheet, uh, not too bad. A current ratio, 1.2 versus 1.8. Price, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 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 debt to equity here, uh, 109 versus 108. So that's that's about the same. And I'm okay with 109. I don't want to go much higher. Uh, we do see return equity is a negative 1,021%. Net profit margin, a negative 510% versus 7.6. Uh, receivable turnover, 1.5 versus 3.4. Inventory turnover, 1.3. For 6.8, I mean, it's a, I, I, and I think it's going to base on the future of some development of drug. I'm going to ask you, Chase, do you have any earnings going forward? Let's start here. Current price here, $11.05. 52-week high, $13.85. And 52-week low, well, $0.25. Cents. So we got another uh, gamble Game here. <laughs> yep. um, looking out, though, December 2021, even December 2022, December 2023, still no estimated earnings for this company. So, I mean, it, it's it's really a, a big gamble here. Uh, kind of surprised by this as well, just looking at sales. I mean, it's it's very small sales at that, but revenue in 2018 was $12 million, 2019 was $10 million. This year, it's expected to be just $7.8 million, but then it's expected to go back up to $18 million. Um, so I don't know if they have something that was just approved, and then they have some other things in the pipeline. But, um, you know, investing in biotechs is it's tough because a lot of it hinges on FDA approval, and if all of a sudden the FDA says, ah, especially companies like right. this that probably don't have a multitude of products. They hinge on that, and all of a sudden the FDA says, oh, sorry, I didn't pass this one test. Stock goes from $11 a share back down to $0.20 cents a share. And, and you, yeah, you're kind of waiting for that big drug to hopefully that drug will hit. The other thing that could happen as well is that um, Merck or Pfizer, some other big drug company, sees what you're doing and say, there's potential here, and they do step in and buy the company for an outrageous price. So, But other than that, I wouldn't. I would never invest in these type of companies. It is a gamble. If you guys want to gamble there at, at the dealership, uh, you know, go ahead. But it, it's based on, and you, if you're going to do that, you really need to know what is the drug that is trying trying to develop, yep. and then also too, what is the competition like? Is there somebody else trying to, to de develop this drug? So uh, that's what you need to do. But we would not recommend buying this. Sorry guys, but we did want to get it for you. So 
Yeah. yeah. All righty. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? It's time for real estate. Is that that time? Why don't we do real estate? 904, 904? Yeah, about beginning of the second half here. So, okay. uh, yeah. So, so I'm going to tell Tim, Trevor, and Al to <clears throat> hang with us here. We're, we're going to get to you guys. But right now, I want to talk for, about real estate because the hot real estate market. For that, we turn to our real estate expert, David Suter. Good morning, David. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Brent. How are you? Good, good. What's going on this morning? So, um, last week, you had brought up a few uh topics you wanted to take a look at. So we're going to delve into that today. First, about new homes available in San Diego. Um, right now, on the MLS, there are only 74 homes that were built in 2020 available. Hmm. Um, now, that doesn't include necessarily new home builders. Um, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, I don't know if you remember, you could pick up the Sunday paper and find plenty of new home communities that were located in the in the city limits or close by anyway. I used to uh, right love, now. I, I used can to, only I used, find. Yeah, I used to love that. doing that. It was so much fun on Sunday. You get the home section and have all those things. You go see the new homes. Yeah, I remember that. That they don't do that no more, do they? Well, they have that section, but like right now, there's one. I could find only one builder of detached homes actually in San Diego over in Carmel Valley, but those homes start at 1.5 million, um, and 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 a lot of folks don't understand that by the time they add upgrades to the house and pay for landscaping that that one and a half million house can easily end up costing 1.7 or 1.8 million. Um, so it, it adds up pretty quick. Uh, you know, if you're the average home buyer and want a detached home like that, you're going to have to head farther out to like Santee or Lakeside homes out there started about 800. Again, you're still going to have to pay upgrades in landscaping, which can add 100 or 200, but um, but you know that brings the cost closer to a million dollars. Um, if you're willing to go out to Fallbrook, you know it's about 100,000 dollars less than that. And if you're okay with a townhome, there are townhomes being built. You can head up to Vista or Oceanside right now, and they they're starting about five or six hundred thousand. You'd still need to put upgrades in, but you wouldn't have to worry about landscaping a whole lot in those kinds of communities. Um, you know, and the lack of land is, is definitely part of the problem. There's a real estate research firm called Zonda, and they said in a recently re released report that San Diego metropolitan area has the fewest available lots in the entire nation. Um, you know, and, and the, part of that's the topography, you know, of our area. It's a big factor. We're running out of buildable land. Um, this this research firm Zonda has classified San Diego as undersupplied since 2015, and that classification is based on vacant lots zoned for housing. Uh, for example, uh, at the end of 2020, San Diego County had 1,137 vacant lots, compared with almost 2,000 in 2018. So big problem. <laughs> is there raw land out there that could be developed that there's not developed yet? Or, or what's the story on that? Well, that, you know, that's the problem. You know, you know, if you look back at San Diego, historically areas like all the flat areas were built first areas like Claremont and all those places. And they were also closer to downtown. But as you move further out, you get these topography issues where we have the canyons and the hills and the mountains and all that stuff. And so builders have been, uh, uh, cut and fill, you know, they've been doing that stuff uh, as we move out into the periphery of San Diego, but um, you just don't even see that available now because, and they, believe me, the builders would be building if they could. There just isn't <laughs> the stuff that they can uh, create the lot. So everything's further out now. 
And so, and of course, the closer you are to San Diego, if they do find land, it's going to be very expensive, just like those Carmel Valley homes. So, um, can, you know, it's, it's it's really a supply problem. Um, and then you had you had asked Brand about taking a look at homes over a million dollars in San Diego. So last year, total number of homes sold in San Diego detached homes was almost twenty four thousand, and twenty four percent of those went for over a million. Wow, that's a high um, number. Yeah, uh, it's about a quarter of them, and about another 29%, a little over a quarter, sold between 700 and $1 million. <laughs> Over um, half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So currently the, on the MLS, there are only about 1,500 detached homes for sale in San Diego County. So take a guess at what percentage of those are listed for over a million this year. I'd say like 35%. Fifty-one percent. Wow. Fifty-one. Wow. Fifty percent. Fifty-one percent of the current listings are over a million dollars in San Diego County. So you know the listeners can see how tough it's going to be for millennials to buy a traditional home in San Diego, and you know that I think the listeners can also understand that home prices are at an all-time high. So if they were thinking of selling, now is definitely the time. Um, besides getting top dollar for their homes, they can. They can pocket tens of thousands extra by saving commission by listing with us. Um, we, we only charge 1%, and not only do we only charge the 1%, but we don't force sellers to pay the traditional buyer's agent commission, which can, which usually is 25 to 3%. I mean, there is a commission that they have to pay, but we don't force them. We let the clients set their own commission for the buyer's side. Oh, good. <clears throat> okay. Well, and, and actually, I have used it myself personally, did a great job and so forth, and I saved tens of thousands of dollars with you as well. Why don't you give people your phone number so they can call you and ask you questions and uh, see if you're the right guy for them, which I think you are. Great. Yep. Um, number is 858-564-8531. And again, that's 858-564-8531. Great. Well, David, thanks for the information. Uh, great information. That we're surprised in that. Well, maybe not too much. In that fifty percent. I'm, I'm pretty surprised. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of uh, million dollar homes that are up there. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. You're the expert, so people should give you a call. What's your number one more time? Eight five eight five six four eight five three one. Great. Well, David, thanks very much. You have a great day. Thank you, Brent. You All too. Right. Goodbye, gentlemen. Bye bye. All right, that again is a David Sudar Realtor. Again, he did sell my home. If you miss his number, you want to call me, I'll pass it on to you. 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And I'll give you his number. David Sewer, Sudar, Realtor, uh, only charges 1%. Uh, no no smoke or marriage, just 1% is what you're going to pay. So. You have a question or just not in your head? Like I'm just not in my head. I'm, <laughs> I'm still thinking about, wow. <laughs> no, yeah. Why would anybody buy a house? <laughs> and, 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 you know, and it's so funny. If California could get on the right track, I think real estate would even boom more. I mean, we know a lot of people live in California. But it, when we talk about the shortage of homes, that could be a real problem. But if you have, and maybe this is kind of meant to be. Sometimes things work out where people say, I'm done with California leaving. So if you can't match that inventory because of too many people there, well, people start leaving and, uh, and people will leave, too, as prices go high, um, higher, I guess. So, all righty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Best Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, guys. I was wondering if you guys could look at a stock called uh, New Age. They kind of specialize in healthy drinks and beverages out of Colorado. 
I had a, I bought them probably about an average of a dollar forty three, and then a distributing company bought them out. So I'm just wondering what my uh, sales price would be because once they got bought out, I stopped buying the stock. Oh, okay. Well, I was wondering what this company was. New Age Incorporated. Their symbol is N B E V. Uh, unfortunately, here there's no PE ratio versus twenty eight for the industry. Price of sales looks good though, one point two versus three point eight. Price to book value eight point eight versus not material. Now the sales for New Age has dropped. I'm sorry, has gone up uh, year over year by nineteen point one percent, but the industry was down point one percent. Earnings per share for New Age was down. There's the one that was down two hundred forty six percent. Industry was up seventeen point nine. They did have a good balance sheet here. One four one is their current ratio versus one for the industry. Debt to equity, 43 versus 140. So I like the low debt on the balance sheet. Unfortunately, return on equity does not look good. It's a negative 86 versus positive 27. Also a negative profit margin of 41%. Industry was a positive 13.6. We do see receivable turnover is 21.7 versus 8.4. That's very good. Inventory turnover could be a problem, 2.9 versus 6. I know they're an energy drink, but I would like to see that higher. Chase, are there any earnings going forward on this company? Yeah, so looking at the uh, current price here for New Age Inc., it's at $3.05, 52-week high, $3.49, and 52-week low is $0.98. Cents. It is a, a pretty small company at about $300 million, so uh, not a huge market cap there. Uh, looking out, though, to December 2021, I do see estimated earnings per share of $0.08. Cents. Unfortunately, it gives us a target sell price of about $1.30. And, and did you say this company is the acquirer or it got acquired there, Tim? Um, they got acquired, I think it's by Nani, Nani Distribution, and that's kind of what, you know, it was. I was buying it when it was at its low, you know, back in March, and then it jumped like to $3 right away when they got acquired, and then it kind of settled back down, and then now recently it's been going back up. Did, did they announce a, an acquisition price or, or dollars? No, and it's weird because in my Robinhood account, they usually give you like the average, you know, cost per share. And I had to go back in my history because right now it says it's like 100% profit for me, which obviously it's not. Right, right. Because hmm. yeah. I was looking up just for kind of news to see if I could find anything on an acquisition price to, to kind of give you a little more info. But I can't find anything on the acquisition price. But my guess is it's somewhere around $3 to $3.50 because generally they're not going to move a whole lot outside of an acquisition price. Unless, of course, the acquisition falls through. Did you through. see the acquisition? No, I, I'm saying I can't find it. Oh, not even the price, not even yeah. the acquisition. So so perhaps here, Tim, it could have been maybe not a done deal. Perhaps they were talking about it. Maybe they stepped away. I mean, uh, this is something you got to watch real closely because um, it, it may not be a done deal if there's no price out there. Where would you see they're being acquired? Uh, well, it's I don't know if they signed a contract, but it like I said, it was NONI was the like distributor that said they – they acquired them, and then they were. It was basically going to spread out their market where they'd be able to market their brand further out. Hmm. Huh. Uh, what you can do is, if the other company, the distributor, is public, you can go to that website there and kind of see what they say about it because um, it, it may not be a done deal. They may have been talked about it, and then they backed away from it. That's that's my guess. So awesome, thank you. And on a side note, on the real estate thing, an interesting thing that somebody was telling me was why our home prices are going through the roof because obviously we can't afford them you know millionaires is the people from san francisco the dot commers are starting to move to san diego and because they can jump a flight and get back up there and our housing prices are lower than theirs yep i, I got a couple of neighbors uh from that moved down from san francisco so you're right <laughs> well thanks Take for that care, tim guys. all right you too have bye -bye. a good day bye bye, -bye.
All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I was going to say it is It is kind of interesting. Um, I was talking to a friend uh, last week, and he's actually looking at changing companies. And mm-hmm. uh, the company's headquartered in San Francisco. He said, I'm not moving up there, though. And it still looks like there's some potential that uh, he might work with that company. So, I mean, it, it, it's a lot of these San Francisco companies, I think, are trying to compete for talent. And they're like, all right, fine. Uh, you can go down to San Diego and work remote. Um, right. It's I, I do wonder what's going to happen to San Francisco. It's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people leaving there. And, and, and a lot of their jobs, they can be done from home. Not all jobs can be. Uh, and there's other jobs, too, that are many times sales jobs or recruiting jobs and so forth that you can be virtually anywhere because you got to travel many times anyway. So some of those jobs are great, but I, I'm, I'm still, uh, uh, you know, against uh, working at home for many jobs because I just think it's not productive, not helpful for uh, people, you know, just starting out. I was going to say, wouldn't it be weird to work at a company and you've never actually physically met <laughs> any of your staff or your, your right. other coworkers? It, it is strange. Yeah, and, and I saw some people would like that, but I, I want I'm, I'm a people person. I like to talk to people. I like to see people and stuff. So, But, um, yeah, some people probably would love it. Like, yep, I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, I know somebody in my family like that. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the calls here. Uh, I, I want to go to uh, Fallbrook and speak with Trevor. He doesn't have anything specific, but he's got green energy stocks. So, Trevor, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Good morning, guys. Um, I'm a young investor, and I actually own a green energy company installing solar and batteries and stuff. And with uh, what's going on in the Biden era now with him signing some of those executive orders and uh, things like that, and then GM, like you guys mentioned earlier, by 2035, going all electric. Um, you know, as far as long-term stocks, I, you know, I, I've purchased um, some Solar Edge, Enphase, and I'm looking at this other company now called Sunworks. Um and and they've all they've all grown exponentially. And is that a growth that you guys think is sustainable for at least for Solar Edge and Enphase, or or do you think that's going to level out? I mean, I bought uh, Enphase at thirty six dollars a share last year, and it's up around two hundred last time I checked. I forget exactly what it's at, but. Um, what do you guys think about the green energy market, I guess, as far as that goes? Well, I, I know it's going to be around. It's going to work. Uh, you'd have to look at each company specifically to see do they have the staying power. Because some of these companies could have, kind of pun on word, staying power. Uh, <laughs> but some of them uh, may have a very weak balance sheet and can't weather storm. Because green energy, we talked about it earlier in the show, it's not going to change from fossil fuel to green energy tomorrow. It's going to take some time. Even with with President mm-hmm. Biden wants to do this quickly and so forth, it just can't happen. The thing that worries me too is if he tries to do it too quickly, he's going to cause higher unemployment, and therefore that's not good for the economy. Then people can't afford it, so you get this situation. So I, I think to have some in your portfolio, some green energy, try to find those safe companies. You are going to pay up for those earnings if they have earnings, and that's very important to me is those earnings. And the thing I'm looking at here too on the green energy, a lot of it has now kind of been baked in because oh, Biden is going to do this and. Yep. It's it's no secret. I mean, everybody knows about it. So that's kind of why you've seen them do so well. That the problem I have with a lot of the green energy stocks, which ones are going to be the winners and the losers 20 years from now? It's a gamble. Yeah. You, you don't know. I mean, we were talked to, I think it was a couple of weeks ago about Apple. And, you know, Apple competed against other smartphone players right. as well. Or back when 
Apple had their iPod and they were going against, I think it was the Zune from Microsoft. It could have just been one marketing trick that actually maybe would have shifted the entire history where the Zune would have been more popular than the iPod. That's the tough thing with these green energy is what company is going to be, uh, I know that Microsoft still has done very well, but what company is going to be Zune and what company is going to be the iPod? You know, that's just a very simplistic example, but it, it's it's tough to tell. I mean, it, it it's very risky at this point to try and find those companies. I can tell you, a lot of them probably don't have great valuations like we like to look for in companies as a, a good value. Um, they're, they're growth companies trying to find which ones are going to be the right ones. And uh, to be quite frank, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. and the other thing too, Trevor, that's, that's going to happen is that there, there, there is going to be a time, can't tell you when, that these stocks could fall 40, 50, maybe 60%. And it could panic you and, and pull out because green energy is going to be in the future. We know that. But I, I'm, I'm talking now probably 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. So that's a long mm-hmm. time to wait. And many times things come up and then you see just a normal company like, gosh, I, had I had that company, I would have done this. So it's very hard to hold a business like you're holding for green energy for that long because it's, it's not always going to look good. It looks good now. But uh, perhaps Biden tries to get something on through and it doesn't go through Congress or, or through through the Senate there. So th- that could be gotcha. a problem. And, and actually, I have heard that they are trying to fight this closing of the Keystone pipeline. I don't know if it'll be successful or not, but we'll see. Yeah, and I, I did want to kind yeah. of point out, kind of trying to figure out the future, of course. And I, I'm going to p- point to, again, Plug Power. Plug Power was one that was very, very popular. We have a caller that wants to ask about po- that, too. Huh? We have a caller that's going to oh. ask about that. <laughs> but, but okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll table this, Trevor. Just make sure you stay on the line. We'll, we'll yep. talk about Plug Power, and I'll, I'll talk about the history lesson for that one when, when, <laughs> yeah. when we, we take the caller. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think and what I would, I would caution you of putting too much in, of your portfolio into that because if you did too much and all of a sudden it drops 50% and you have, we'll say, 75% was in green energy, you could lose a lot of money, and it would just be very, very tough on the emotions. All righty? Gotcha. Thank you, guys. All right, Trevor. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. The other thing, too, I wanted to mention was uh, we kind of talked about GM taking on tests. GM has a lot of resources that can kind of build out their electric cars and things. Uh, we talked earlier in the show about Philip 66. Yeah. Well, these refining companies and other oil companies, I mean, they're not stupid. They're not going to look at this and be like, well— Oil's just going to go away in 30, 40 years. Again, I don't believe it's going to go away, but they do know that's going to be a declining market over time. What can we do? I know BP has actually talked about investing in green energy. I know the, yeah. the refiner we have in the portfolio has a renewable diesel segment. So that's one thing that concerns me is people act like these green energy companies are going to be the future. What if it's actually the oil companies that have the resources now to build out their own green energy? Maybe they acquire the green energy companies. It's a very interesting dynamic and it, it's it's really a guessing game at this point in time there's the idea is there but the practicality of finding that winner nobody knew apple was going to be apple back in you know the early 90s right right and the funny thing too with apple is that everybody like oh apple uh, gonna hold it long term forever i'm sorry there's gonna be something down the road i can't see it it's gonna replace apple yeah i mean it happens in history all the time apple 20 years from now is not going to be the one that everybody's using they, they will be replaced the, the management will change. Uh, it may still be around, but it's not going to. What is our market cap? Like two point four trillion. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I, and again, we, we made a lot of money off of Apple, but it's I just uh, right now people are too emotional with it, thinking that they can do no wrong. No company stays king of the mountain forever, yep. and, and I think they will be kicked off. Uh, you mentioned plug power, so with that, let's go out to uh, Ramona and speak with David. David, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey guys, how's it going? Good. How you doing? 
Good. I I just wanted to, you know, I, I, I bought into Plug Power about September last year and, you know, around $3 a share. And I think now it's about 63 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering what you think about the company for the future. Um, is it something that I should be continuing with or is it something that I should get out of? Well, I mean, let's go with the numbers. I know Chase had some comments on it as well. So let's kind of start with the numbers, see what we can see there, and then we'll kind of discuss a little bit more. So the company, again, is Plug Power. Symbol is P-L-U-G. Uh, unfortunately, at this point in time, they still have no P-E ratio, which means no earnings. The industry is at 38.5. Now, price of sales still very high, 100 versus 2.5. So it tells you that they're not making a lot of sales compared to that uh, uh, stock price. We do see price attainable book value, 62 versus not material, and no price to cash flow. So they may not have positive cash flow yet. That's probably my guess. Now, what is getting exciting here? As their sales are up 51, I'm sorry, 58.3%, industry down 4.5. Their earnings per share over the last 12 months, and this is, surprises me, is actually positive 18.9 versus negative 27. So that's a good thing to see. They do have a good uh, good balance sheet, a current ratio 3 versus 1.7. Debt to equity 48.6 versus 69, so that's a positive. Return on equity is a negative 32.3 versus a positive 11.9. Net profit margin, they lose about 31 cents or 31%. And every dollar they bring in, the industry is a positive 6.5. And receivable turnover is 4.6 versus 5.2. And inventory turnover, 2.8 versus 5. Chase, do they have earnings going forward? Yeah, well, let's start here with the current price for plug power, $63.17. 52-week high, $75.49. And as you kind of mentioned there, 52-week low, $2.53. So about around there, which is, which is a nice profit for you. Uh, going out, unfortunately, in December 2021, I still see an estimated loss of $0.22 cents per share. So, again, this is kind of this this future theory of plug power is going to be that green energy winner. Is that going to be the right. case? I'm, I'm not sure. And uh, the reason this one is, is quite interesting is it's almost like the second go-round for plug power. Back in the uh, late 90s, a lot of people, I'm sure, didn't even realize plug power was around. But if you look at a long-term chart, their stock price, if you adjust for splits and buybacks and everything like that, I, I believe, topped $1,000 a share. So then it went, it's really funny to look at the max chart because the 63.17 is still not even close to right. what it was <laughs> at over 1000 a share. I mean, it went from, you know, 1000 down to 146 within about a year and then, you know, jumped back up to about 300 in 2001. And then it went all the way down to about 50 in 2002. And then it just continued to decline to blow a dollar even in 2012. Right. And now it's getting that kind of resurgence. Yeah. Is this going to be the future? I I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's tough to tell, but it's trading as if this is going to be the next big thing. And, and I do remember when Plug Power was at the high. And I was telling those people the same thing. Even at the high, even at $500, $600. It was the same thing we're saying now with Tesla and some of these high flyers. It's like... And it was just that hype thing. Uh, you're in a little different right. situation, David, because you're not there yet. The big question you have, you've got a big profit. Could it go to 1000 I'm not going to say no. Yeah. But is it likely? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, could it go back down? Yes. Um, how long have you held it? Um, <clears throat> I put in like 2500 $2, bucks back in September. Okay, so it would be a short-term gain for you now. And that kind of makes a little bit of difference because you've got a large gain in it. Um, it, right. it's, it's really, I, I gotta say it's a guessing game because this stock could climb higher because of all the excitement with Joe Biden you know, being so green and so forth. 
Um, but it could also pull back and, and not come back also because somebody else could take their lunch and all some plug power doesn't make it. They have been around for a long time, over 20 years. <laughs> yeah. But, right. um, I mean, it, it is a gamble, and, and you have to know when to take some chips off the table there. Yep. All righty. All right, man. I, I really appreciate you guys. You guys are always awesome. Well, thanks, Dave. We appreciate that. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And, and Chase, you know, people wonder why I kind of do things. We talk about averaging 10% and so forth. I don't say what we would do is easy, but it gives you something to hold on to. I mean, having that talk about plug power was very hard because you don't know. I mean, I, I wish I could tell David, yes, yeah, it's going to go to 100. Based on what we see here, it's going to hit 100. You can't say that. Yeah. And, and, and doing this for as long as I have, I've felt those before. And people would tell me, you're so wrong. You don't get it. Plug power is going to go to 2,000. I go, well, maybe it does. I don't know. But obviously it didn't. And now I have the same thing with plug power. We have this craziness with uh, a, even AMC Theater, Tootsie Roll. All the, it's just craziness. And I've seen this, doing this for 40 years. I've seen this. And it, and it just doesn't work out. It's the emotions that get people so excited and they, they want to believe. I want to believe this is going to work and everything goes back down to earnings. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, you're so right because there's that one story that I told you guys, I, you know, maybe uh, David calls us back in 10 years that I knew Plug Power is going to do it. <laughs> and it, it, when you listen to our show, you have to understand that we're not trying to hit those home runs because you hit those, try and swing for the fences. A lot of times you strike out. Right. And you strike out more. Then you hit home runs. I mean, gosh, if you break down the amount of time somebody hits a home run, I, I think, what, 40 in a year is good? Well, that's not every at-bat that you get a hit <laughs> one. So, I mean, even a good batting average is 300. So, I mean, we try and get on base. We try and hit those singles the way I, I try and say it because we're more worried about your retirement. You can't try and find the next plug powers if you're trying to retire because you're not going to have any money. And right. then you do that your whole life, you're going to be behind the eight ball. You can gamble a little bit. That's okay. I don't do it. But if you want to, yeah, go for it. Throw, throw a couple thousand dollars. If, if it's not going to hurt you, yeah, maybe. I, I personally don't do it because, again, I know the compounded interest of $1,000 at 8%, you know, 20 years down the road. I'm like, wow, that's actually still a lot of money. Yes. I didn't really lose 1000 <laughs> I lost, you know, 20000 <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing, too, and, and what I don't like about it, because I know, like, other there's other financial advisors out there, and they say, oh, well, Brent Chase does it so risky because they're investing in stocks and so forth. And it is not risky. Because we know what we're doing. We spend a lot of time with it. It is volatile. And that's a thing that people get mixed up. We put in this in our presentation. People get risk and volatility mixed up. They're not the same. But that's what we do. When you do these crazy things, and then you got these inexperienced advisors, brokers, oh, stocks are so risky, you shouldn't do that. Even on TV, I heard this one person say, and I was shocked, and I think they may have misspoke, but they go, if you can't risk the money, you should not invest in stocks. And I think they meant these type of stocks. Because... Uh, what we talked to uh, John earlier, Tootsie Roll for 10 years. He's done very well. Yeah. I mean, when you invest long-term, you do very well, but you got to invest properly. You can play these other crazy games, which I won't do anymore. You won't do anymore uh, because they nine times out of 10, they don't work out. It's a gamble. It's like playing the lottery, yep. you know? So, but it's hard because all this other stuff destroys their truth about stocks can be very good investments and do probably the best out of anything if you do it right and keep your emotions out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I always talk to, of course, our financial planner, Harrison, too, and it's, you know, it, it, it baffles us how people don't have money to retire. And it's like, oh, I don't make enough money. It, it, that, 
that's not the problem is you kind of try and gamble too much. If you literally just stash away a little bit of money each month and you invest safely, you can retire very, very simply. I mean, you look at the type of lifestyle you need and everything else with Social Security. And, yes, Social Security will still be around 20, 30 years. It's going to be different, but it will be around. There's no reason that that people are having this retirement crisis. It's because they fall for these quick hits and quick hits they they work until they don't i mean as you said nine times out of ten i even put it at 99.5 yep. times out of ten they're so rare out there to actually make these types of returns if you just do the right things there's no reason you can't retire even at your late 50s if you do the right things yep. i mean yep. it, it's if you lay out the long term it's very simple and i've seen it happen i i'll never forget early in my career I had this gentleman i remember he Came in, they had $40,000, and that was all he had. Uh, we invested it. He added to it over the years. And then I, I, I think it was like, I think maybe 20-some years later, uh, and I didn't really realize that he comes to my office because I just want to thank you for making me a millionaire. It took, we'll say, 25, 30 years to do that, but he made it. And how many people don't take that road and they want to try to gamble and get it quickly and they never make that 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 position. You can become wealthy longer term. I, I said the same thing with it's much safer. Much safer. Yes, you, you'll get there. Just and unfortunately, life goes by too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if it's going to buy too quickly, you'd hate to get to be sixty-five. Like, gosh, that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back to the phones here. Uh, let's see who was up first. I think uh, uh, I think uh, Arturo was up up first, and Lamita. Let's go to Arturo. Arturo, you're in the smart investor. Good Chase. How can we help you? How you doing? Good. 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 I didn't know if you guys have covered this week. I mean, this uh, morning, uh, General Electric. And uh, if you would buy it now, where would you put your stop? I've been losing some busy money on the table, placing my stops at ten percent or where the support was. So, can you advise me on that? If you were to look at it, and if you were to buy it today. Yeah, but we'll take a look at the numbers. I know they just reported earnings. They, they did pretty well, but we're going to go with the numbers for you because in the past we would not recommend buying GE. Maybe it's getting better, so we'll look at uh, General Electric for you. Their symbol is GE. We do have a P-E ratio, which is good. It means they're making money. 17.8 is their P-E ratio, well below the industry at uh, 66. That's a positive. Price to sales, 1.2 versus 1.7. Price to book value, high. They have one, 368 versus not material. And price of cash looks good as well at uh, 12.3 versus 54.6. Now, they do pay a very small dividend of 0.4%. They use 14% of their earnings to pay that out. Unfortunately, year over year, their sales are down 16.4%. Industry down 3.4%. But their earnings per share, and this is a crazy number, uh, year over year for the last 12 months did climb by 8,665. And I think it's because it's probably very, very low earnings uh, over the last 12 months, one year ago. Uh, industry was down 69% on their earnings. Look at the balance sheet, no current ratio. Total debt to equity is high, 211 versus 131. They could still have some you know, uh, financial companies in there that they're still doing some strange things. You gotta check that out. Uh, maybe that is too high. Mm-hmm. Return on equity is a 16.5. That's positive, but industry is a 7.5. Net profit margin, 7.2 versus 2.5. Looking at receivable turnover, 3.4. That's below the industry of 4.5. Would like to see that higher. But inventory turnover, 3.9 versus 2.4. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for General Electric, GE, $10.68. Uh, 52-week high here, though, $13.26. And 52-week low, $5.48. 
Now I go out to December 2022 because I did just report those earnings. I do see the estimate is for 47 cents. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of $7.80. So uh, the value is still just not really there for GE. It does worry me. I know you talked about stops. We, we don't really like to use stops because you can kind of have volatility, which really mm -hmm. hurts you. Um, I mean, it, it's to be honest with you, it, it'd be a sell if you came to us today. I did also see some other news, though. I, I didn't get to read the story yet. Uh, something about their accounting scandals, it looks like that's going to be bypassing, which, which may benefit the stock next week. I don't know if that happened this past week or if it's going to be news going forward. And I forget who came out with that, but gosh, they were so darn sure about the accounting issues and so forth. And stock took a big hit, um, but it, it still it doesn't seem to be. And the problem is I still believe this is not the old GE and we want to feel like it is. And I, I made I think I bought sold GE like three times over like an 18 year period. We did very well. I've not stepped back into it. I just don't think it's the same GE. Uh, they've got earnings, but I think they're pretty much fully valued around the current price. And what was your target sell price, Chase? Probably what, $7.80. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd have to say, Otor, I mean, it could go higher, uh, but again, you're kind of risking things here. I would rather see you, you know, sell this. That's what we would do. You came out of us, we would sell it and find a different business to invest in, into that <coughs> has a greater possibility going forward. All righty. Okay. Thank you. You usually don't placeholds i mean uh stops huh no we don't like, because what can happen to explain to you is that uh, you put a stop on we'll say 10 uh during the day it could go down to 10 you could be sold out and then end the day at 11 oh shoot i locked in that loss so um, yeah that's yeah and not the same thing or the opposite i had bought uh with fargo when it was at 36 and i didn't put a stop i just forgot about my stop loss and it went down to 20 21 i think yeah, I, I mean, th that can happen, but if you know what you're doing with your investments, yeah. um, the, the stops, the, the, they can hurt you. So it, it's just okay. more of a gambling technique. Traders use it. We're investors. That's why we don't use it. Traders use it to try to help them. Oh, out. I see. Alrighty. Thank you very much. Okay, Thank you. Arturo. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Alrighty, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Chase, where's this day going by? I looked up, we got about twenty minutes left here. Um, you know, we've had a couple people that that called in, hung up. Uh, you, you know what? L let's do this because actually, Otor just brought up Wells Fargo. We had uh, earlier in the show, Paul called in about uh, Wells Fargo. So let's take a look at Wells Fargo. And I, and I do see Jim and Anthony and John stay with us. We're gonna get to you guys next, but I, I just we try to get to everybody. We're not doing much on Facebook today. It's just been a a, a busy day, uh, probably because we've been. Talking a, a lot. Talking a lot. Yeah, so that's what we do. So uh, Wells Fargo, their symbol is WFC. Uh, we do see that their P.E. ratio, and they have one, and they did report earnings already, 73.5 versus 14.1 for the industry. Price of sales, 1.7 versus 2.4. Price to book value, this is still very good, 0.82 versus 1.3. And then we see price to cash flow is 22. That's slightly above the industry at 20. Now, they do pay a small dividend of 1.3%. They use 269% of their earnings to pay that out, but they have had a lot of write-offs because of writing down loans over the past year, which we do believe will come back on the balance sheet because real estate has gone up, not down, and come back as income. Uh, sales year-over-year, year, they were down 27.7%. Industry was up 1.1%. Earnings per share for Wells Fargo did fall by 89.9%. The industry was down 343 now, it's a financial company, so they don't have any current ratio. Their debt to equity is 147, well below the industry at 316. 
Uh, return on equity is one versus 7.7. Net profit margin is five. That compares to the industry of 17. And Chase, what do you have for the earnings going forward on Wells Fargo? Yeah, so look at the current price here for Wells Fargo, $29.88, 52 week high here, $48.50, and 52 week low. Well, that's $20.76. Now, they have reported already, so I'm looking out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $3.25 would give us a very nice target sell price of $53.95. So I like the potential here. I think they have a lot of benefits for the company as we move mm -hmm. forward. I mean, talk about the loan losses, rising interest rates will help your net interest new income. C well, fairly new CEO now. That Yeah, that's the big thing. It's a new CEO, newish CEO, I guess. Right. It's not anybody like last year week. Yeah. yeah, is they have an asset cap that the Fed placed on them due to all the scandals that they went through. I do believe he's the man for the job. I think that they can get that asset cap lifted, which is going to fuel their growth even more than all the other banks because now they can take on new assets. Mm -hmm. It's such a challenge right now trying to manage the asset cap, also in a very difficult pandemic. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I give the, the new team there uh, kudos for the job they did during uh, 2020, and I think it, it, it's going to be very beneficial for them in the long term. Because I, I think they'll get those restrictions removed, which will be a big benefit to the stock. Yeah, and you bring out a lot of positives like the uh, higher interest rates, uh, the Fed uh, probably backing off a little bit because of what they're doing, uh, reversal of the, the, lo the loans, uh, the CEO, what's his name again? Cole. Charles Schiff. Charles, Charles, Charles Schiff, yes. Schiff. Yeah. Uh, Schiff um, yeah. Something like that. Um, uh, but but he has uh, said all divisions will report directly to him. So he's very hands-on. He is not going to let things slip through the cracks. Uh, I, I think it's probably one of the better money-sitted banks out there because they, they've got so much upside potential. Exactly. And, it, you know, I, I think it's – I'm going to kind of equate it to GM here because a lot of people – I will never buy GM because of what they did to the taxpayers. And It's a new GM. Yeah. It's a whole new team. It's a whole new, you know, company, really. Wells Fargo, same thing. I cannot invest in Wells Fargo because of things they did. This is a whole new he, – he cleared house. I mean, you look at everything he's done to, to try and change the company. I mean, it's – they've gotten rid of a lot of the, the problems that they had and, and replaced them with a, a lot of the good new talent. So it, it's it's a new Wells Fargo. Yep, yep. And that's what I look at is that – and, again, they they don't remember you. Uh, I'm sorry. So you're kind of hurting yourself. you got to look at the business and – and say, what is this business going to do? So Wells Fargo, I, I think they got a lot of potential going yep. forward. All righty. Uh, gosh, let's go back to the phones here. Uh, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Hi, Brent Chase. Hey, I would like you to look at um, General Dynamics, please. Uh, they seem to be holding up pretty well during some of this recent volatility. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. Okay. All right, so let's take a look at General Dynamics Corporation, symbol is GD. Uh, great start here, Jim. P.E. ratio 13.3. That's well below the industry at 66. Price of sales looks good, too, 1.1 versus 1.7. Unfortunately, no price of tangible book value, but that's about the same as the industry. Price of cash flow is 10.4 versus 54.6, so the valuation ratios look very good for General Dynamics. You also get a 3% dividend, and they only use 30% of the earnings to pay that out, so we could see that increase down the road. We do see sales were down 3.6%, industry down 3.4%. However, earnings per share for General Dynamics fell by 8.1% when the industry was down 69 The balance sheet got a current ratio of 1.4, same as the industry. 
debt to equity is 83 versus 131 for the industry. So that's a positive for general dynamics. Return on equity, 21.7 versus 7.5. Net profit margin checks in at 8.4 versus 2.5. Receivable turnover, 3.4 versus 4.5. And inventory turnover, 3.8. That favors general dynamics at 2.4 for the industry. What do you got for the earnings, Chase? Yeah, so current price here for general dynamics, $146.68. Still off from the 52-week high of $190.08. But off its 52-week low as well of $100.55. Now I go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $12.50. That would give us a very nice target sell price of $207.50. So I, I like it here, Jim. I, I think there's a, a lot of good opportunities. I think it's uh, you know a defense company, obviously. So I think it's a, something unique in the portfolio. I, I think it's a safer play than a, a lot of other things that are on the market. Uh, optimistic about GD is what yeah. I would say. Okay. Yeah, I, okay, I, good. I, I've not heard anything from the administration that kind of worries me that they're going to pull back on, on military right. either. So I, I think we're safe with that one. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that was one of my, my questions I was going to ask. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I have a little bit of extra money in a, a Roth IRA, so I, I, I'm thinking of purchasing something that um, yeah. would I, be I, worth purchasing. <laughs> I think it's a long-term investment. I think it looks pretty good. Yep. All right, thanks. Hey, and one thing, too. I have a sure. sister. Um, she recently retired at uh, 56. Uh, she was a nurse, made pretty good money, but still, um, you know, she just invested, uh, regularly through all the ups and downs and, um, and, uh, yeah, there she is, you know, she retired before me, a younger sister. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny, we, we've got a few clients that are nurses and they've done pretty well. And I think I will kind of brag. I think they did better with us afterwards, Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, nurses do pretty well when they put away their money and, Kind of like I said with that uh, client earlier, that, that uh, you know, over 25 years, he did pretty well. I will also say they get a little bit of a benefit. Um, their benefit packages sometimes can be quite nice that, that kind of aids in their retirement as well. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, she was with a, a larger uh, hospital, and, um, yeah, that's why she went there. She said they had a retirement package kind of. Yeah, and a lot of times people just look at that base salary, but sometimes they sneak in these benefits that are just extraordinary, and people take the— Hundred thousand over the eighty thousand dollars salary, even though we get thirty thousand in benefits. It's like, well, it would have made sense to take the eighty thousand dollars salary. So, yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> I, I totally that's good agree. For her. Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it can be done. You know, even if no matter if you make less, even just put this the steady, steady Eddie is is the way to go. You're that's right about right. that. That's right. So. Well, thanks for calling, Jim. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven. 2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's uh, go to Temecula. Not been there in a while. And, uh, speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, Brent. Good morning, Chase. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I'm, I'm, looking, uh, I'm looking to get uh, bolster my real estate portfolio a little bit. And, you know, uh, the REITs have been beaten up uh, a little bit over the last year. And I'm wondering what you think of the space of Regency, R-E-G, um, you know, they, they have about 80% of their properties are grocer based or daily needs based. And, uh, and what do you think of the space and what do you think of Regency uh, itself? Okay. Well, let's take a look to Regency Centers Corporation. You said about 80% is, uh, you said grocery based. Is that what you said there, John? That, that's right. Yeah. They're grocer based uh, shopping centers. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Cause I, actually I used a Regency Center for a long time. Maybe it's a different company, but gosh, your service was terrible. Uh, but let's take a look at numbers here again for Regency Centers Corporation. Symbol is REG. Not a great start. Uh, PE ratio is 171, but that's versus the industry at not material. So I guess that's not too bad comparatively. 
We do see price of sales 7.7 versus 2.4. That's expensive. Price to book value, though, does look good. 1.4 versus 1.7. And price to cash flow also looks pretty good at 20 versus 34.4. Now, they pay a nice dividend of 5%. They use about 856% of their earnings to pay that out, which is obviously very high. Uh, it is a REIT, so Chase will pull up some different things there on the FFO, as we call it. Uh, we do say sales are down 7.3% year over year. Industry down 12.8. Earnings per share, they did fall by 83%. Industry was down 231, so positive there with that type of fall compared to the industry. Total debt to equity looks pretty good here. 66 versus 289. Return on equity is 0.76 versus a negative 4.3, so not good, but obviously better than the industry. Net profit margin, 4.7 positive versus the industry at a negative 7.2. We do see receivable turnover 6.5, slightly above the initial 6.1, and inventory turnover 7.2 versus 0.5. Chase, what do you got for the earnings? So current price here for Regency Centers Corp, and it is a different Regency, I believe, than the one we, <laughs> the one we deal with. <laughs> um, but looking at the current price again, $47.18, 52-week high here, $64.65, and 52-week low, $31.80. I got to December 2021. I do see funds from operation estimated to be $3.28. That would give us a target sell price of $54.45. So it's about 15% away from the current price. Um, so I, it wouldn't be in our buy category. It might be worth watching to kind of see, you know, if you get a little bit of decline in the stock price. It looks like they should be reporting here pretty soon. Then we'll be shifting out 2022. So I, I'm not comfortable enough to buy it yet. I do like the space, though. I mean, shopping centers, I don't think shopping centers are going anywhere. I think those well, are still going to be these around. These are the smaller ones, though, too, though, right? Are they the big ones? Uh, I mean, it, it, yeah, as you kind of said, it's the grocers. So grocers. I, I think, like, trying to equate it to something around Like a Bonds and Scripps Ranch. Yeah, yeah like a Bonds and Scripps Ranch or something right. like that. It, it does say they're in more affluent areas, I guess. But uh, I, I'm not worried about it being a mall that's going to be here right. today and gone tomorrow. I think the shopping centers is a much safer yeah. real estate investment play than you know, the mall. So I, I think that's a, a good realm to be in. This one, I'm just not too excited yet on, on the valuations in terms of its FFO. And I noticed you talked about December 2021. We talked earlier in the show about how things will be ticking forward, uh, maybe get higher earnings, uh, in this case, FFO, but that doesn't help. It's like 240, so it only goes up by a penny, so no big increase there. So you'd actually have to have a pullback in this. No, 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 you're looking at DPS. It actually increased to the 349. Uh, all right, am I? Let's see. Yep. I mean, that would increase the What did you? Oh, you used 328? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, yeah, the, 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 I need a better line here, pointer. So so it goes from 328 to 349. So it does help a little mm -hmm. bit. And you use the 328 or did you use the 340? I use the 328 because I, I want to wait and see until the report. So I, I, I would okay. be patient with it, John. Long story short, yeah. is just kind of see. I mean, at 15%, you might miss it. It might go up after the report, but uh, I'd rather have more information than kind of yeah. take a guess. And all of a sudden it goes down 10%. And then, hey, there's the buying opportunity. <laughs> and actually, Monday's February 1st. So they could be reporting pretty soon. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, be a little patient here, see what happens. And maybe that 349, we've seen it go actually higher in some of our companies where it comes in higher. So that could give you enough of a pull. Maybe well, the best thing to do is have that stock pull back because uh, profit taking. And then they go to the next year out. You got a 350 like, oh, now it's time to buy it. So watch it. Be, be, could be a possibility here. All righty. Yeah, great. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Okay, John. Thanks for calling. Uh, bye. bye. All right. Uh, 
And I, I, I didn't listen to when you were going through this, but uh, I mean, five percent yields good, and then I mean, debt to equity is phenomenal yeah. for yeah. a REIT. I, that's that's amazing. I know people don't realize that when you're doing one thing, I'm doing something else. So many times you don't hear what the other one says because we're trying to get ready for that the next thing there. And and uh, but yeah, we're we're constantly. I mean, that's why that show goes so fast because we're constantly like looking at things and trying to think about things. So that's why I'm so uh, tired after the show too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was thinking we haven't done anything on. Well, we did one on Facebook. Should we do one more just to close the show with on Facebook? Yeah, we do one more on yeah, Facebook. I, I was thinking, uh, I think it was Jason, Jason wanted to know uh, C. I assume that's what, Citigroup? Citigroup. Yeah, so, so let's take a look at uh, Citigroup. i got to readjust everything here to, to get to that. But uh, does he have anything specific to say on it? Or he's just uh, kinda... just kind of curious on our thoughts on Citigroup. He noticed that we kind of covered J.P. Morgan, and obviously we covered Wells Fargo. Let's take a look at the other big banks, Citigroup. Um, I think we have enough time. I did just want to bring up this point. Sure. It's kind of interesting. He he also pointed out if you had like one shady analyst on a stock that's super exaggerated future earnings that could hurt a like a fundamental investor because we use the estimated earnings. Right. He's absolutely right. You have to look at that and make sure there's not an outlier that the average is, let's say, a dollar, and then all of a sudden there's another analyst out there that thinks, well, they're going to make $5. <laughs> well, that obviously is way skewing the right. average. So you have to look at that. That's something we do look at when we're analyzing our company. And that's also, too, why we like to have at least five to seven analysts because the more you have, the less that outlier is going to have a, a, a effect on it. All right, so Citigroup, uh, symbol C. Uh, good start here. P.E. ratio 11.9 versus 14.1. Price to sales 1.6 versus 2.4. Price to book value 0.7 versus 1.3. And that's very in, in, enticing because it means you're paying 70 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets, not the intangible assets, but the tangible assets, things you can touch and feel. Uh, price of cash flow, 13.7, below the industry at 20.2. You get a nice dividend here, 3.5%. They use 32% to pay that out. Now, you do see that sales were down 24% year over year. Industry was up 1.1. Earnings per share fell by 40% when the industry was down 34. Uh, debt to equity is 250. That's below the industry at 316. Return on equity is 5.8 versus 7.7. Net profit margin, that checks in at 15.4, just under the industry average at 17. What do you got for the earnings going forward, Chase? Yeah, so current price here for Citigroup, $57.99, still off that 52-week high of $80.77, and that 52-week low, well, that's $32. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $8.06. That would give us a target sell price of $133.80. So, I mean, the valuations on Citigroup is just phenomenal. I mean, you talk about that book value as well. I can't complain about the valuations, that's for sure. Now, I do believe Citigroup does a little bit more internationally than like JP Morgan, Wells mm -hmm. Fargo. So, it, it is a little bit more complicated of a business, but uh, can't deny the valuations are very, very strong. Right. And, and I was going to bring that up, too, because I do remember Citigroup lost a lot of money years ago on foreign loans. So you really want to understand what your business is doing, uh, understand maybe they're still doing the same thing. And I do kind of worry about that a little bit, those foreign loans. I've never been comfortable with things I don't know. Especially some of the emerging markets. I, I know that some people are, oh, emerging markets are the place to be because it's going to rebound. I, I do worry that some of them aren't going to bounce back from this pandemic yeah. as well as, you know, United States. Yeah. Um, you know, Europe, I, I think, will bounce back sl more slowly than, than the U.S. here. But I mean, some emerging markets, I don't know how they get out of this. You know, it, it's going to be tough. Like, I think big ones like India, right. obviously China is fine, but I don't even know why they call China an emerging market anymore. It's not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's really not. And it's kind of funny because we've not seen a devaluation of dollars uh, lately, I can remember. But I remember years ago, we saw even the peso got devalued. And that really hurts the loans and so forth. 
And then when they rate these loans off, it's not like we were seeing here in our market, the real estate market, to where, yes, the banks wrote those down, but the price of the home is going up, so therefore they're not going to default on it. Here you're seeing where these countries, well, sorry, we don't have it, and they better rate that off never to come back. So I'd really, if I was going to invest in Citigroup, and I think it could be worth the time, but you know we got enough banks in our portfolio to really understand what is their loan portfolio. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to say kind of a counterpoint as well is that it is nice because it's, it's different than yeah. the other financial companies as well. There's a little bit of diversification to add there that they could benefit while the other ones don't on some changes across the globe. So um, as you kind of said, I, I think there's some potential in Citigroup, but it, it would definitely take some more research to really understand that loan portfolio. I mean, it's one thing that we look at very closely with our financial companies is, where do they loan money? We want to make sure they're not loaning right. all their money to, let's say, oil and gas that could have yeah. problems, and you yeah. write down all that. You want to make sure that their loan portfolio is strong and that they have kind of the reserves to pay pay off if there are any problems. I was just going to say, well, let's go to the next caller because I've not got the two-minute warning yet. He just gave me the two-minute warning. So uh, I was going to go to uh, Anthony in San Diego, but Anthony, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, and I just hate to rush people through. I've yeah. seen people do that before. Like, no, no, I want to spend the time with you. So Anthony... Give me a call next week. We'll try to put you top of the stage. You want to call about Solar Ridge Technologies, I think is the name of the company. So we, we can maybe do that next week. So. I apologize. I didn't know we had any callers. So I was just talking to fill yeah, we, some time. We, 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 we <laughs> got to kind of turn this screen yeah. uh, so that you can kind of see what's there as well. Because we actually had also two Francisco at Imperial Beach, uh, CTRM. I don't recognize that company. Uh, we lost Alan Escondido. Uh, it was kind of a, and, and, and again, we're not trying to just rush people through the phone. We're trying to have a conversation. Hopefully everybody kind of learns from it as well to help educate people more. So that's why we take a little more time sometimes with the callers, not just to benefit them, but hopefully benefit other, other people as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I was going to say, you know, we started the show with GameStop. What's your prediction for GameStop this week? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I, 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 guess, know, I know so. exactly what it's going to do. It's going to go up and down. That's what it's going to do. <laughs> I think it's going to end next week lower. That's my. I really? Think, I think it's going to decline. I think it's going to go down. I mean, it's crazy. It goes down 50%, then up 80%, then down 40%. I mean, it's, it's insane. I, I, and, I think it's going to be lower next week, though. And what happens is these hedge funds say, you know what? We're not going to short anymore. Where's the volume going to come from? There's no more shares out there. You know, and then you got the just these traders doing it themselves, and all of a sudden it's not the same. Well, you're going to price out any money that's not related to the Reddit. That's why I said it's it's a Ponzi scheme. I mean, it's, yeah. it's only going to be people that are trying to bring new people in because all the institutional money is going to be out of it, and right. it's just going to be retail money, and it, it's going to be like, oh, well, now we're – and we're screwing each other over. You know? <laughs> yeah, when the music stops and there's no chairs, all of a sudden people start, start panicking. Uh, it could go back down. And again, I'm not going to predict it, but it, it could go back down to $2 a share. Yeah. So that's what it's, I think, the true value because no one did call on it today because yeah. I don't know what their balance sheet looks like, but I don't think it's very strong. I, I don't think their debt's too high, actually. It, really? It's one that was a value trap that we looked at years ago. Okay. All righty. Well, there's Frank Sinatra. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Reuters, uh, actually Refinitive. And closing song is not by Frank Sinatra, but by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investor Show with Brent and Chase. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.